Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today we have the incredible Jay. Smash. We have the indestructible Curtis. Puny God. We have the savage Mike. What's up? We have the Red Ross. How's it going? We have the son of CBS. <laughs> Sounds weirder than it actually is. And the rampaging Rob. Hi, hi. <laughs> All right, that's Rob. Like a giant disco ball. <laughs> Power's Nightwing. What? Power's Nightwing. Power's Nightwing. <laughs> Dis disco Power Nightwing. Disco yeah. Power Nightwing. Ah, it's good stuff. Okay, so uh, today we're gonna do uh, Master Shang Chi, Master Kung Fu. No, it's just Master Kung Fu. It's actually Deadly Can't Hands. Deadly Hands. Oh my bad. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number one. Original Sin number two. Invincible number one eleven. Forever Evil number seven. And Justice League thirty. Do we have any number one issues? This time, yes. Shin Chi. Deadly Hands oh, of Kung Fu. Oh, right. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I was like, holy cow, we did one without any number one. I know, ones right? You would think that would be freaking almost impossible. Yeah. Considering. Yeah. The current landscape of comic books. Yep. So, uh, Ross, what do you know about the news? Um, the big thing was about a week ago, I think, we had news that Edgar Wright was unfortunately leaving Ant Man. Because of script revisions, which is a bunch of bull. Yeah, it, it sucks. Because in general, if it wasn't for him, like going through all the trouble of building, like a whole treatment for that the whole Ant Man movie, there's uh yeah, like, there wouldn't even be happening. So how do you come to the un unsettable differences, and then the only reason the movie's happening is gone? Yeah, it beats me. It's ridiculous. Me and Curtis were talking the other day about uh, how we should go to DC and pitch it for uh, the Adam. Take out the bug talking. I imagine he probably talked to the bugs in that. But might as well. He's already their size. They're just the same thing, right? Adam. They might not talk back. Whatever. I don't think they talk back anyway. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how. It, it'd probably be like those weird, I don't know, antenna it'd things. Be up to man. that Goyer dude. Yeah. And yeah. he's kind of been a bind at the moment, so he's not going to be talking about the Adam anytime soon. Yeah, that's a big point. Didn't, didn't he have some kind of bad things to say about other characters? Yeah. He, uh, yeah. You know, what goes down that uh, common sense, you know, that's a common sense discussion. Yeah. yeah that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good, good times. Gate Altroth? Um, kind of comic book related, but we had the announcement that the Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods movie that came out in Japan last year is coming to America and is surprisingly getting a theatrical release. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy, actually. Is it a limited release, or are they saying a full release? It's a limited release. Okay. Yeah. They really screwed up the full release with that other garbage from, like, three years ago. <laughs> Princess Five years ago. Princess Mononoke with Billy Bob? No, man. Okay. <laughs> Billy Bob. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. He was the voice of the monk. Really? Yeah. Bond, okay. He was riding high at the time. And so, so he got... wasn't any of that, what you reckon, you got good to eat in there. Any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, no. no. But he was uh, he was still Billy Bob. You know, I didn't actually even know that. And now <laughs> thinking back on it, you can 
You can tell. Yeah, you can tell. Oh, yeah. He's Billy Bob. Yeah, it's Billy, it's, it's Billy Bob. Yeah. He, got, he got high billing for that movie. It's a great movie, though. Yeah. But, uh, Billy Bob. Light? Yeah, oh. that too. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, it's some tires. French Robert tires. <sighs> Man. You know, it's really weird how often Sling Blade comes up in conversation around here. It really is weird. More than it's you a, would think. Yeah, more than more than anybody. You know, more than it should. It's right up there with the, in the comedy area. The Step Brothers. I mean, I know it's <laughs> supposed to be a comedy, but stuff turned yeah. out. And I ain't saying it's right, Steve. I'm just telling you, it's a damn truth. Jay remembers this is saying it once. More than <laughs> once. Thanks, my brother. Blade. Like some people like call it a swing blade. Go <laughs> you like a fish. Funny ha ha or funny the other kind of funny. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so uh Ah, that's enough sling blade. <laughs> Any other news there, Ross? There's something something else? Um, do we, we already talk to people about how September's gonna be uh Future's End Month this year? I don't know. I don't, I don't think we did. We had I don't know if we went over that or not. So I guess we'll go over it now. So uh, this whole thing with DC happening called Future's End, and so September this year for their uh, three-year anniversary thing, they're when they started the new Fifty Two, they're going to do Future's End, and it's going to be all flash-forward is- issues about the crazy robot future stuff. <laughs> so is this going to be an additional five years ahead? I don't think so. I think it's going to be during the. I think it's going to. I, I think it's going to be the same place that the Batman Beyond book, where the current series is at. Like timeline-wise, Future's End. Yeah. It's supposed to be five years in the future, and then Batman Beyond is time travel back five in time years. to the, the same nebulous spot. So. Yeah. As far as like time is concerned, he, their current continuity, I think, is where all those books are going to take place. I think. Pretty There's sure. Booster Gold issue. That's cool. That's always good. That's true. Heck yeah. Makes me wonder with a certain revelation in Forever Evil if he'll be involved. Maybe. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. That's Talk a, more about that later. Yeah, I yeah. Suppose. I was going to say, it's books at the end of the thing. It's kind of odd that the characters that they uh, are focusing on in this series are all characters that uh, have canceled books. I don't know why you got to bring that up. It's, it's but true. It's been good. No, yeah. it has been. They were trying to say if they would have taken all the characters and, and mixed the canceled ones together earlier, it would have been good. Just like in this last issue, we get to see the uh, shape people again. Like, uh, Oh, right, that's true. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the writers, because I think they have five different writers on it, each oh, one yeah, doing do. kind of a different thing. Right. And I think they kind of just put them in a room and let them choose their own characters that they wanted to do. Huh. Is that what you think? I, I remember it? reading an interview, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think they've done a great job of like reusing a lot of those characters, and unfortunately some of those titles didn't work out either, so I'm glad to see a lot of them back instead of them just disappearing to time. Awesome yeah. having Frankenstein back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, he hasn't really left that yeah, much. Yeah, but it's not the same. Mm. I like his Justice League dark stuff, but the Agents yeah. of Shade is pretty cool too. Well, yeah, it was a fun story, and we're getting Grifter, which is great. And the, he's yeah. you know, the good Grifter. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't used his chosen one telekinesis yet, but we'll see. Yeah, well, that's always, I'm sure it's still there. 
was weird. That's kind of how that book started out in the beginning with Rifter Book. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah, where he's trying to get the, the being able to see everything. What's the movie that that's like? Uh, like They Live. Yeah. It's yeah. more like They Live in Future Zim than it was even in the Grifter series, I think. Because there's more of a question of whether he's really seeing them or not. But he does have an assistant that, that is kind of keeping him sane, although that guy... Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that if there was ever a movie with Grifter in it, that Roddy Piper should play the Grifter? Oh, that would be awesome. I don't know if he could do it now, but I, I don't have a problem bringing regular Roddy Piper into any film. <laughs> he's got a point there. He's rugged and Roddy mm. and Piper. I don't recall him I'm being not, the greatest actor in the world. I'm not exactly sure if that was... You're not you supposed know, to be. <laughs> right. Well, mate, I don't know. I, he was good and they lived. But they lived was fantastic. Heck yeah. All that corporate domination of the world by aliens. It's awesome. And the possibility that he's just crazy and sees people as aliens and kills them. <laughs> Which is awesome. Wantingly. Just oh, man. Mow them all down. 80s-tastic. I'm, I'm looking at Jay and he's got this blank look on his face because he doesn't know what we're talking about. Because I don't read DC. I only That's not read... a DC That's book. It's a movie. Oh, movie. They, they live... Oh, okay. It's okay, Jay. Have I haven't seen it yet either. So. I'm going to beat it in the bulk of foreheads. Oh, at least you guys have both seen Big Trouble in Little China, right? Um, about oh, God. oh, my God! <laughs> I've been living a lie! What about Nightbreed? you see Nightbreed? No Nightbreed? Oh, my wow. lips are sealed. Good. Wow. I'm out. Man. <laughs> Fluffy oh, Kitty's Magic sweet. Adventure. Yes. <laughs> no. Damn it. I knew it. <laughs> Damn it. Better not be watching that damn pony cartoon. No, I'm not. People watch what they like to watch, Mike. Okay. It's okay. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying they do. Just saying it's the damn truth. Right. It's the damn truth. Okay, so uh, we have a question from uh, our viewers. This is from the uh, Tan Lantern, I believe. Jay, would you read the question, please? Four for four. Okay. Uh, want me to just read the whole yeah, it's gonna shindig? Be yeah. Okay. It says, hey, guys. Thanks for answering my last question on your cast. Uh, you all had some pretty cool answers. I have a new question for you now, so here it goes. Which do each of you think is the top five stories you have ever read? Uh, your personal favorites, it can be a story arc, an event, or even a single issue story. It can be stories that has an impact on you, made you think, made you emotional, or what was just fun to read. It doesn't matter who the publisher was, it must be comic or graphic novel form, not novels. Okay, that will be it. Keep up the good work, guys. I will be listening. Peace, Hunter. Right on. Okay, so that's a pretty good question. Um, we got to talk about it a little bit before. And uh, the slow response on this is simply because we had some stuff get erased data-wise. That's my fault. So, um, yeah, sorry about that. Keeping you waiting with that one there, Tan Lantern. Uh, so, Mike, uh, books you like? Stories you like? I would have to say number one would be Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, the old stuff, the old run, the original series. I remember dropping into it about midway through the series, and there was a uh, long story arc in there about his uh, quest to take out his father, his Fu Manchu. Right. 
the whole thing was just amazingly good. It was always my favorite. Um, number two, there was a Fantastic Four story back way back when. Uh, issues number 197 through 200. Took them into the two, big 200. Jeez. Where Doctor Doom had captured the uh, all but one of the Fantastic Four. Reed Richards was the only one uh, uh, out there. And uh, seeing him actually show emotion, I mean, he's angry. And he's, uh, he's gunning for him, so he joins up with the Latvian resistance, and they butt heads, and it's just it's a, it's a great story. It's a good Dr. Doom Reed Richards story. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. Because Reed Richards is pissed. <laughs> um, number three, it's a uh, identity crisis. First time I kind of delved into a uh, DC collected, but, you know, dabbled this issue here or there before. Sure. I read that. Like, Identity Crisis was a pretty big story. That was a heavy, heavy oh, story. Yeah. I did not believe there were stories like I mean, that some pretty uh, heavy-duty themes in that oh, book. Yeah. Uh, easily within the, the in top fifteen, probably industry-wise, was shocking. Like amount of uh, just the amount of uh, I mean, like it wasn't like super, super violent, but like there were some pretty violent parts to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then the the. What happened to Sue? Dibney oh yeah, it's, it's yeah, all over the top. Doctor Light. Like, it's, yeah, it's definitely a dark. Like the way the way from the kickoff of it, like top fifteen shocking things in comics. I'm pretty sure there's like four or five different lists that have it on there. I've actually yeah, I've read a list online and it, that's right towards the top of it. Right. And then just just all the the moral issues, the morality oh, of for all sure, the yeah. things that you know. Oh yeah, there's everything really that close. came out of that book. It affected a lot of things. Oh yeah. And a lot of those things popped. Rare to ugly head later. Right. Uh, but that's what really got me interested in checking out some DC stuff. Um, number four, I'd say Punk Rock Jesus, the Sean Murphy. Right. Um, I took basically took a chance on that. I passed it by in here once. Right. And there's another cop. I'll try it. <laughs> Showed me just how, really, how good an independent book can be because that is an amazing story. Amazing art, everything about it was just—it was great. Love that story. It's good stuff. I like that. It's like some of my favorite things in general. I like that. Just pass it by the first time, and then you're like, "Well, I guess I'll give it a shot." Right. It turns out being awesome. Yeah, yeah. One of your favorite stories. Yeah, that's a, that's just a great, great book. Mm -hmm. Um, number five. Have to have to call. Uh, I'd have to say. Rick Remender's run on the Uncanny X-Force. That's good stuff, too. That was such a cool story. Yeah. Remender's a good writer. They, there was some cool stuff in there. I was, I mean, I kind of was going to say Ruck a Punisher, but the Remender of that X-Force run was a lot longer, and it was... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, one, one thing to say for the Ruck a Punisher, though, is, like, I cannot stress how much I didn't care about the Punisher enough and then pick that book up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Just totally changed my entire opinion of it. Like coming straight I out. I always liked the Punisher, all right. You know, cool character, but they never really did. Never but, did anything that made you wanna. And it was coming off of the whole like Frankencastle thing, so I was really curious, like, well, where are we gonna go with him? How are we gonna make him different? And yeah, records, records just knocked it out. It was. Oh, it was a tie there. I just couldn't, but I had to kind of lean towards X Force. That was a sure. great, yeah. great run. That's understandable. 
Both fantastic didn't stories. Didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right, so uh, ask credits. Want to tell us about some books you like to read? Things with books. Okay, mine are like what brought me back into reading comics and stuff that I remember from that period. There is also another one that I picked up way back when from a quarter box. So my first one's going to be the <clears throat> the Guardian Devil by Kevin Smith. Okay. The 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 Daredevil book. Okay, yeah. When he was writing that one, that was like I actually had a subscription at that point that my grandma got me. So that's kind of doubly sweet. So that <laughs> got me back into comics and something for my grandma. Um, the War of Kings or and Annihilation. The, the recent one from Marvel, I think those two. Right, space battles. Yeah, I, all you all you know that I, I'm a big cosmic guy, so those were kind of a hit close to home for me. Um, back in like the '80s, the early '80s, um, Doc Strange actually they were trying to find a way to deal with the Hulk, kind of like they did with World War Hulk. Right. So World War Hulk to me felt like kind of a rehashing of this, but back in the early '80s. Uh, Doc Strange actually banished the Hulk to the crossroads, which is kind of like a, a multi-dimensional thing, kind of like what we saw in Original Sin, where okay. Doc Strange and, and Punisher were there. Right. And there's just roads and space. Right. And, the, and uh, the land of the man-eating shadows. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that's kind of what they did to, to to remedy the Hulk situation at that point. So see, when you say that, I always think of the blues crossroads. No. You don't sell your soul to the devil. <laughs> For blues? But, uh, no, that... That actually picks up kind of in the, the first novel that I actually read, which was What Savage Beast by Peter David. We kind of revisit the crossroads in that, and that was built. That was out in '94, I believe. Okay. And that was like my first actual novel that I read. So those kind of those kind of connect. Um, these aren't in any order, by the way. Uh, I have Rock of Ages on there, the JLA or JLA, when oh, uh, yeah, yeah. when Superman was blue energy and red energy, right. Um, I actually had that poster up on my wall, and that was about the same time with Guardian Devil and all that other crap that I was reading in the late 90s. And then uh, one of my favorites, along with the cosmic crap, you guys know I like werewolves. Right. And one of my main favorite characters growing up was Captain America. Mm-hmm. So I put uh, Cap Wolf on there. It's a oh, terrible, okay. terrible, terrible story. <laughs> but well, It wasn't that bad. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> But it's so bad, it's good. Especially when you're a young kid and Mark Grunewald's writing it and, and Rick Levins is drawing it. You're like, this stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he actually hitches a ride on a Hawkeye scooter fly cycle, sky cycle. Yeah. Oh, so, right, yeah. And those were just kind of embedded images in my brain. Like, you know what? Comic books are kind of cool. You get a whole lot of Dr. Druid in that, too. Yeah. Almost too much. <laughs> but Hulk learns how or uh, Cap Wolf actually learns how to talk. Because he didn't know how to talk to begin with, and ultimately he can. And yeah, over the over the course of that uh, that storyline, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, those are my my picks. Could probably go on to something more interesting now. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more interesting than a werewolf, Captain America. You wouldn't think so. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, I likes me some werewolves. <laughs> I like squeaky bath time duck. <laughs> All right, good books. Um, I'll go next. Uh, so, the only way I can interrupt and cut off Robin, Ross, and Jay. Mm. Um, so, uh, story-wise, 
Uh, I, I guess, and I don't. I have a trouble with it being like position-wise. I don't think any of these are better or worse than the others, but simply to put them in an order. Um, Redstone and Superman would probably be the first one. Uh, it's an Elseworlds story. Awesome. Great story. I mean, no motion. Yeah, I don't know if all of you read it or not, but it's it's great. Um, really, really good. As far as like twisted Superman stories, it's one of the few that continues to get reprinted. That was an Elseworlds story. I mean. Yeah, there's really not any other ones that keep going. Not a lot, no. Like as far as like reprints for those are concerned, I think it's one that and then Kingdom Come, which um, I don't list Kingdom Come, but it was a good book also. So uh, yeah, with that, it's kind of basically still an extra one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, then I said Superman Batman issue number twenty six. This is from the previous, not the Batman Superman current run, but there's run before the new fifty two started. And this story was it was written by Jeff Loeb, and it was there. There's so many names on the book actually, like it, all kinds of people from the industry worked on this book. And it was right after Jeff's son Sam died, and Sam he was a kid who loved comic books. Like, and his dad was a comic book writer and knew all these famous people in the comic book world, so he was all about it. And when he passed away, like all these people worked on this book simply because they knew him, and. It, the story is, is basically a story about Superboy dying and Robin having to come to terms with that. And it, it was awesome. And there's even like a little small backup story at the end of it that was a that was Sam's story, like something he wrote. So as far as books are concerned, issue 26, it's fantastic. I mean, it's really, really good. It's what books, books really should be because it carries an impact. And I, I don't know. It, it was fantastic. It was awesome. Um, Green Arrow Quiver, Quiver the... Uh, Previous New 52 also. Uh, Quiver was great. Like, uh, they started out, Kevin Smith wrote the first probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 issues, and they got finished up by, uh... God, I can't remember his name now. Phil... No. Coulson? No, he's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Do you know you guys know who I'm talking about? No. Is he the one who Here. usually works with him? Yes. Oh, shoot. He's followed him on, like, the Bionic Man he's followed him on. Um, he followed him on uh, the Green Hornet. Um, Hester. God, Phil yeah, Hester. Phil God. Hester. Took me a minute to get there. Wow. Yeah, Phil follows him on almost everything that Smith starts. Yeah, Phil usually winds up finishing because Smith doesn't finish things. Anyway, um, but yeah, Quiver. Awesome. It was a good, good story. If you had a chance to read it, it really was awesome. Um, Wolverine, Old Man Logan, which is fan freaking tactic. That is a great series, too. Right? Which you did say he would yeah. like to do. It, that's true. We've, we've read weird. There's an article out there about him wanting to play, Old him wanting to play Old Man Logan and also be an Avenger. So, right, good luck with that, I guess. Yes. Because it'd be cool if it happened, but you know. <laughs> Copyrights, but oh well. Hey, <laughs> screw that. We're hey. just gonna put Wolverine in everything. We do whatever we want, you know. <laughs> it's it's that's that's what, what Wolverine does. What do you got over there, Ross? Nothing. I was gonna say something stupid, and I held back. No. Good job, Ross. You, you get a shiny star for that. Sweet. I never stops any of the rest of us. Don't eat it. Don't wait. Don't don't don't. And then like. It's weird that I've, I read a lot more Marvel in life, just in general, but most of the ones that, I, that stuck in my head were a lot of DC stories, and I don't know if, exactly if that's just because I'm more into the Batman stuff right now, or, or what that is. Um, 
Because then I, I followed up with uh, the Obsidian Age Justice League, which was like... So that story is also pre-52, man. Um, and Obsidian Age, is, it basically could have been called Quest for Aqu or Search for Aquaman. It's all about Aquaman taking his people back in time and getting trapped there and finding out Atlantis in the past was kind of crappy. And needing the Justice League basically time travel and save them. And it was like one of the first Justice League stories that I read that I remember being like, man, these guys are really kind of awesome. I always liked Batman. I always liked Nightwing. The rest of them, eh, whatever. I always like. I guess I always liked Hal Jordan. Even when he killed everybody, that was awesome. But I, other than that, I didn't really care. Like, I was really a Marvel guy. And then that particular storyline, it was great. Like, it's two volumes, time travel, alternate Justice League. Yeah, it's cool because you get to see the secondary Justice League, too. Exactly, yeah. So it's it's freaking awesome. I think there was also a part there where you were finally like, yeah, Tempest isn't so bad. No, I always hated Tempest. I even hate Tempest right now. Oh. Man, his I could have sworn. No. That's what you want me to believe, but it's not true. <laughs> you know, he was pretty whiny at the start of that, but he had some crazy powers and stuff. Well, he, okay, I'll give you, he made them time travel with the help of Zatanna, which is pretty awesome, but it doesn't change his name or his costume or his weird tattoo on his face. And shoot boiling water. <laughs> yeah, he, he did get the Mike Tyson tattoo before Mike. <laughs> Wait, maybe. Is that a good thing? Mike Tyson a fan? Is that... I, you know, I don't... Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Problem you know, solved. <laughs> you know, I mean, how weird that would be if that was the case. Like, I got this tattoo on the side of my face because I like the Tempest in the comic book series. And are like, Tempest, what, what series are you reading? I like some DC comic books. And you're like, really? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to hit you. And I'm like, I'm afraid. Because it hurt, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, it hurt. hurt. <laughs> now I made fun of Mike Tyson. I'm sorry, Mike. Not that you listened to this show, but if you did. I, at least you didn't do his voice. I, luckily, I can't. You were... I was trying. Yeah, you're close. See? All right. He's getting a cartoon. That's pretty awesome. That's true. Uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries. Awesome. <laughs> I cannot wait for that, to be quite honest. And as long as they can be solved with a left jab. <laughs> well, Mike's the guy to call. I'm pretty yeah, sure that's the the second line of the title. That's mm. awesome. <laughs> Mike Tyson, as long as they can be solved with a left-hand jab. That's really too long a title. I want to go back to the old one. Mike Tyson Mysteries? Yeah. That's like the And the Fonz is his backup guy. Really? No. No. But that'd oh, be awesome. Be awesome. Need something fixed? Right. And actually, you know, the Fonz could slide in before it doesn't. It's like, hey, <laughs> Mike Tyson up. You drew back. that way they don't see it coming? Maybe. Like, he distracts them and they drop their guard. Like, oh my God, it's the Fonz. Hey. <laughs> Mike Tyson's like, they say, thank you, Fonz. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, that was a little off. The, back, back to the... Uh, back, back on track a little bit. Back to the uh, then I wanted to give, uh, uh, as another one, sorry, it's more than what we were supposed to pick, uh, Batman Year 3. Uh, it was four issues, done like, I don't know, early 80s. It's basically the Robin storyline, and we get an introduction for Tim Drake when he was a small child in there. I don't think... I think that's what led to him being Robin much later on, but at the time, they just named the kid so the kid would have a name. I, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I, that year three was pretty cool. For four issues, it was awesome. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Um, Jay, you want to go next? Sure, why not? All right, Jay. Okay. No particular order, but just ones that I thought were awesome to me. Okay. Um... 
the multiverse. Uh, specifically the one where Jubilee wanted to go to the DC universe to go find Robin <laughs> and hunt him down because she absolutely loved him. That's hilarious. And okay. I that one was just awesome and hilarious at the same time because right. halftime Robin's just like, uh, I don't know about you, lady. Whatever. Because they merged into the same person a little yeah. bit later. That's creepy. Yep. I'm pretty sure the diffusion dance and everything. Wait, don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are actually about Jubilee because I like her. Okay, so, that's fine. Um, another one would be right when Jubilee got bitten by a vampire, and it was just a little mini series of Jubilee and Wolverine. Oh yeah, and where they yeah that's what's titled actually. Yeah, and where they had uh, Jubilee locked up, giving her Wolverine's blood to try to heal the. Vampire, vampire but, out of her, yeah. But wasn't working, but that that was a good little mini-series. I love that one. Right. And then last one for the Jubilee part was when Jubilee came into X-23's uh, book. It was about ten issues in. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah, I remember that. they had like four or five issues where they were both together just... Yeah, this is after the duking it up. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That one I like too, because I like both those two people too. So yeah, no, bam. Um, another one would be uh, Worlds Collide with Sonic and Mega Man. Okay. Where pretty much Doctor Eggman and Doctor Whiteley, Robotnik, whatever. Same thing. Same okay. same person. They find out that they could collide both their worlds together. And <laughs> No, I actually was hoping it was Wiley's name. Yeah. Oh. So, Eggman and Wiley. Eggman and Wiley. Yeah, colliding worlds. Yep. How do they do that? Uh, well, funny well, story in the well, Sonic universe. I didn't watch the, read the... Mega Man? Mega Man part of okay. how they transferred in, but in the Sonic one, they had the little Tails doll where it pretty much looks like Tails and it has a little orb above it, turned into a big, humongous, giant... Now, as a side note, people who don't know, evidently the Tails doll is a haunted thing in the Sonic um, universe. It's a fan-made thing to be haunted. Yeah. That wasn't but, supposed to be that it shows up and changes your score, and then, like, if it's on the screen and you lose, you die. Yeah, it's pretty much... It's, it's just a doll, but in the <laughs> Sonic fan world, it's just this creepy, evil demon doll that wants to take your soul. Okay. But yeah. So, soul-eating Tails doll. Yeah, soul-eating okay. Tails doll. That's, let's just say it turns <laughs> into that, and bam, there becomes the collide, which was pretty sweet. I was really hoping that it was going to be two big hands just push the worlds together. <laughs> that could have happened. That could have happened, but we would not have been able to view it because DC will not allow you to see the creation of the universe. That's mm, like comics, though. Are more progressive? Right? You think? You think they would allow you to see two worlds being crushed They've together? Got Kevin Keller running around. Yeah. That's true. In a costume. You know, what would be awesome as if it was like Godzilla was on one side and Shaquille O'Neal was on the other side. <laughs> Push them together. <laughs> you are evil. <laughs> Okay, go, you got another one, okay. Jay, one more. Come on. One more yeah. would be AVX. Oh, okay. Avengers yeah. versus X-Men when pretty much five of the X-Men got Phoenix Force powers and pretty much tried to wreck the world. And awesome, yeah. it was pretty sweet. I even like the post. I see. I thought they tried well. to fix the world. Oh, they screwed it up. They screwed themselves up more 
more like. Both yeah. sides were trying to fix it. They just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But we we try not it to think like about that. Sounds like a recipe that. for disaster. <laughs> Chaos ensues. That's how most shows are pitched to people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. It was great. All right, so Rob Ross, uh, you want to rock, paper, scissors? Rochambeau, oh, Rob, Rob wins. Rob won. That was weird. Oh, Man. you didn't even try, Ross. <laughs> I did meteorite, and that just beats everything anyway. Yeah, yeah that's good. What are you going to do to stop a meteor? <laughs> Nothing. You're definitely not going to fly a kite into it. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any Unfortunately, sense. Unfortunately, that was my rock, paper, scissors, hand sign. I will control the lightning, and it's like, it's a meteor, dude. <laughs> Anyhow, so I have Captain America, the Bloodstones, which is an old, old story. Um, basically, it was Ulysses' Bloodstone uh, had eventually grown tired of being immortal and allowed himself to die. But the stone that allowed him to stay alive was broken up into several pieces and hit all over the world. And um, there winds up being this whole race to gather all the pieces of the stone because um, the Red Skull wants to get it to basically be immortal. Right. And uh, Captain America winds up working with Diamondback during most of the story, and she's a recovering supervillain at the time, trying to start this whole relationship with him, and he's just like, keeps kind of pushing her away. But the thing that really stuck with me, aside from it being one of the first comics that I really read, and was like, I'm going to keep reading because of these comics, right. was um, there's a point where Batarak the Leaper has his uh, oxygen tank destroyed underwater, and Cap winds up giving him his oxygen. And then one of the characters that's with him, Machete, winds up cutting him. And Zatarain and Machete both take off, and they leave him down there with these sharks swimming around. And Batarak's kind of looking down at the sinking Cap, who's bleeding with sharks around him. And he's like, I can't do this. Right. Like, there's just no honor in doing this this way. And so he actually swum back and, like, helps him with the oxygen and, like, kicks the shark in the head. It's pretty, it's that's, pretty what, story, that's what Batarak actually. does. And, like, Cap is, uh, manages to escape with it, and, like, he basically is like, well, next time we meet, you're, we're going to be enemies, but we're going to have a little bit of honor. And it was just kind of cool to see, like, a villain that had re- honor, that had, like, this respect for him. And, like, it, it was a really neat thing for me to see that these characters are more three-dimensional. Black and white, yeah. yeah. And from there, did this Machete character go on to do Machete kills? He did not. He did not. Machete and Zatarain kind of just disappear a little bit. Although... They both do appear with daughters in the later Deadpool series, much to Deadpool's surprise, because he was like, I thought those guys gay for sure. Danny Trejo has a daughter? Well. Different machete. Different machete. There is, there's only one. There's only one machete. (laughs) And machete kills. (laughs) And the next one's actually going to be the the first um, probably five, six issues for X-Factor back in the um, probably 80s, I'd say. Okay. Um, and what I loved about it was actually how much of a despicable character Cyclops actually is. Um, it's the f- original X-Men all brought back together, and we find that Jean never dies as the Phoenix. She's been wrapped up in this cocoon this whole time. And Cyclops winds up walking out on his pregnant wife to come to be back with X4, with the X-Factor, and like basically gets the rest of the team to not say that he's been married and all this stuff because she doesn't have any memory of all the time that she was the Phoenix or you know any of the current events. And it's like, I don't know, something about him hitting such a far bottom made him so much more real to me because like everybody kind of just had this opinion that Cyclops makes him, was makes him human. Yeah, well you know, and people just think Cyclops never does anything wrong, and no, he's just a person. 
And in this case, he did, like, probably the worst thing you could possibly do. Well, she was a clone of but he didn't Grey. know that. Yeah, he doesn't know that until later. Yeah, okay. And even after that, he's still like, My son! <laughs> I hope she didn't name him... Cable? Oh, Nathan. Nathan. I hate Nathan. Right? He had a different name for him and everything, too. Like, Nathan was the name that made him mad when she would call him yeah, that. Yeah, rude. Yeah, I guess there was a kid named Nathan that used to pick on him. Anyways, fantastic story. <laughs> and so anybody who's like, Cyclops is such a goody-goody. Well, how many goody-goodies walk out on their wife while she's pregnant with your kid? Not very many, Rob. Not very many. He's no. pretty talented. too earlier, earlier on. Well... He has his moments. Like I don't feel like he was super cold hearted in this case. But like his his destiny was with Jean. And like yeah. he, he always thought that. And so when she came back it was like I see ya. I well, gotta uh... I've gotta follow this. And you know, as he goes, like he eventually his conscience is enough to make him like I have to go back and do this and he comes clean with her and they go and try to find her, but it was already too late. Like Maddie Yeah. Maddie goes off the deep end. Anyhow, uh, Justice League Cry for Justice would be number three, which is a ton of crazy things happening. The yeah. book was beautiful. Um, Green Arrow winds up killing Prometheus in the story. Awesome. So there was a lot of like really, really massive things that happened to it. And it was a Justice League story that was completely outside of the regular Justice League universe, but yet it affected so many other things. Yeah, it basically shaped how everything was going on with Red Arrow. What was it called again? Cry... <laughs> Justice League Cry for Justice. And it's got this beautiful, like, painted... Yeah, it looks awesome. Look to it. It, it was a really interesting Justice League team. Yeah. yeah. It was a seven-part um, story. So is it the Rise of the Red Arrow after... Or happened right yes. after that? Yes. It's actually directly after that book that Red Arrow has the big falls. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a really crazy team because it was like everybody had stepped out, so we had Dick Grayson, Batman... We had uh, Deanna Troy as one, like, kind of the Wonder Woman role. We had, um, what, they just brought in the, the new Starman and Congo Bill. Yeah, yeah Congorilla. And um, with Adam and Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. Was that the one where we had Mon-El Superman, too? I think that was after. I don't think he was actually a part of it, but it was very. It was right on top of that. We did have Freddie Freeman Shazam. Yes. Kind of. yeah. yeah, Freddie Freeman Shazam shows up in there later on. I... I want to say Supergirl did for a moment, too. Yeah. So. It was a heck of a story, though. Holy cow. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. We already talked a little bit about Kingdom Come. Not much other than it being Elseworlds. Yeah, that was definitely, awesome. definitely one of the ones I just really enjoyed. It was a huge, huge thing. So if you haven't read Kingdom Come, it's like an essentially need to read. And then my last one is going to be Lock and Key, which is tremendous. Uh, done by Joe Hill. It is a fantastic series, and it's something that I think if you, if you like supernatural stuff, you really need to give it a shot. So. Yeah, it's good. Mr. Ross? Right. Um, my first one was Blackest Night, mm. and it was kind of the story that really got me back into comics after a while of not really reading anything. Right. Um, got me reading a whole bunch of things too it was the comic that made me kind of decide Aquaman was my favorite I really liked Aquaman before but this was like the comic that pushed it over the edge for me Nice. and it got me reading Flash and Green Lantern and even crazy things like Booster Gold and uh, Doom Patrol and Outsiders with a lot of crazy little ones that tied into it were really cool 
Um, yeah, they did a heck of a job. Like that was one of the ones I wanted to have. Yeah, Black and Science was really good. Um, the second, I would say, it was tough because I really liked all of the old Justice League International type stuff. Right. But one in particular that actually didn't take place during the regular Justice League International, but it's kind of like a flashback. Uh, it took place in the Martian Manhunter book, and I don't really remember the number. I want to say it was 23, but I could be wrong. It, yeah, it sounds right to me, too. Um, but he has this flashback where, back in the international days, Booster Gold and the Beetle decided they were going to play a prank on Martian Manhunter and not only steal all of his Oreos, but uh, buy all of them in the town, too. And it essentially turns Martian Manhunter Martian Manhunter into the Hulk and kind of goes and destroys everything in the yeah, town he, trying to he, find him. Yeah, he's full and freaks out and looks like the Hulk. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I want to say he even says John Smash in it at he one might. point. Mm. I, I want to say a part of that, that's during the same time frame Pat Gleason was working on. I don't know if he did that issue or not, though. He might have. He might have, actually. I, I don't think even... he might have done the interiors for it. Yeah. Pat Gleason's awesome. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Go on. Um third i'd have to say would be the superboy run of adventure comics oh, yeah. um it's kind of is close who after is a jeff john's story who, who penciled it francis manipul yeah right. probably my favorite writer and my favorite artist both right at the time i didn't know that but right yeah it's awesome there's not like a whole lot of action in the story it's more of like a character based one but it's really it's really cool you get to see a lot of superboy and crypto hanging out and Superboy deciding if he's more like Lex Luthor or more like Superman. Yeah, I remember that, that was a pretty cool series. Great story. Yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff that came out of there. It ties back to a lot of Young Justice stuff, which is cool too. Mm -hmm. I loved Young Justice a lot too. Um, and fourth, I had a hard time choosing because I like Damien a lot, and there was a lot of really really good stuff with Batman and Robin and right. and Damien in general. Uh, one of my favorites though was actually. Superman, Batman, and once again, I don't remember the particular right. issue, but... Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Is a Halloween issue, actually, and he had Supergirl and Damien team up. Yeah. I think it's number 27, I Yeah, think. and ironically enough, it kind of ties right after Blackest Night, too, because it's Scarecrow trying to trying to find the power of fear again after having the... Oh, yeah, after the being inducted into the Sinestro Corps, yeah. Yeah, is is a really, really cool story with Damien treating Supergirl like what was she said you can't treat him like another tool in his belt and he right. says Batman does it with Superman all the time and it was, it was awesome oh. yeah there's a point where he, he tells her you, use your microscopic vision she's like uh, I'm not like a tool you can't treat me like that Batman doesn't treat Superman that way he's like uh, yeah he does all the time yeah freaking awesome yeah it's really good and my last one I had a really hard time choosing I'm gonna say it's kind of a toss up here but Throne of Atlantis then in the New 52 was really good, but so was the start of Aquaman in the New 52. Oh, yeah. They, they were both really, really awesome Aquaman stories. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, and kind of like a close, but not quite there, I would say it was actually Forever Evil. I really mm. liked that one, too. Which is fantastic, by the way. I have an honorable mention. Hmm. One of those stories where it makes you think, I cannot believe you did this. Oh, yeah? I would be happy by Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, Happy is, is pretty crazy. It's almost it's almost a Christmas story, but it's really messed up. Yeah, the, I mean, you got the, the, the retired cop hitman. You got Pedo Santa. And a kidnapped little girl whose imaginary friend is a blue horse. Is it like a blue donkey thing? Yeah, like a unicorn-looking donkey thing. <laughs> With wings? Unidonkey? Yeah, a pega, Pegasus. Pega, who is uh, come to enlist the help of this uh, ex-cop assassin who thinks he's just on dope. Well, he is on dope at the time he meets him, but he he doesn't believe it. It's just a crazy story. Oh, yeah, because he fully like, sees a little kid's fantasy, like, imaginary friend. It's crazy. It's good, though. It's a good story. Yeah. It sounds like every Christmas... Okay. Well, that explains a whole lot, Jay. Well, I, I, I wondered, because I thought you were staring at the wall, and it, maybe it wasn't the wall. And don't maybe forget my imaginary pony. Don't forget the Lark of this Christmas special. Oh, yeah. That's all, yeah, that's a fantastic one, too. It really, like, for a Christmas issue, yeah, that's awesome. I guess that's that's a weakness for me, when they do holiday-themed issues and they do them right. It's right. That and team-ups. Yeah. <laughs> team-ups. Uh, the issue you were talking about from Superman Batman, it's number 77. Cool. Yeah. Just just for reference, folks, 77. Mm. You can find it online. <laughs> it's a picture. It was. Google it. It was tremendous. Yeah, it was a good issue. Well, all right. Uh, good stuff, guys. Um, so, let's have uh, Mr. Mike, you ready to start with the uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu? We can, or Rob can start with Original Sin. Do you want a Rochambeau for it? Yeah. That's the one where you get up and go. Beware of Rob's <laughs> comet move. He always wins with it. Damn, comet again. <laughs> Rock right. beats paper. I'm pretty sure the mic was shooting lightning what at you, you actually. <laughs> Dang! I should have thrown the kite this time. Like Sith Lord lightning? <laughs> kind of what it looked like. Unlimited power! Is the dark side stronger than the light? Yeah, on a certain point of view. <laughs> Shut up, Obi-Wan can never I be mean, a crazy wizard. No. You're <laughs> <laughs> a crazy wizard. I'm going to talk about a crazy wizard. Alright, so, Original Sin. Number two. Number two. So anybody who didn't sign on for number one, uh, we basically <laughs> find on the blue area of the moon, somebody has shot the Watcher and then scooped out his eyes. Crazy. And whatever they shot him with, it leaves, like, green... Kryptonite bullets, basically. That's what they look like, yeah. yeah. Um, and we've also got, at least, we've got Nick Fury that's working with the Avengers, who's kind of trying to lead the investigation. I might add the original Nick Fury. That's correct, the original Nick Fury. And then we also have a mysterious other character who set up a whole task force of his own. And they're all kind of oddball characters, so it's like Doctor Strange, the Punisher, the Black Panther, Emma Frost, and Scott Lang Ant-Man. And they're doing their own investigation, but they have never actually made any contact with Nick or the rest. So, uh, in this case, we open up to the underworld in Mole Man's territory, and we have all these moleides that are kind of like creeping around, being afraid. And we have Emma Frost, Black Panther, and Scott Lang kind of checking out this super monster graveyard, and it's just like all these gigantic creatures that have come here to Crazy die. Beast? Yeah. yeah. It's a whole lot like the start of Godzilla, the new movie. Right, yeah, when they're inside like, giant basically rib a giant ribcage. Yeah, yeah. there's a whole lot of freaking monsters, man. 
and they're um, they have Scott who's kind of like tracking down some kind of information from him. Well, he's micro. He's he's, 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 he's shrunk down. He's like following trace elements. Oh yes, that's he's right. Trying to figure out where the elements have come from or going. They're theorizing that most of these creatures aren't normally down here under the earth, and so right. like they've come here to die of their own accord, it seems, but not from our reality. And so he's tracing the trail, the trail of their uh, essence, I guess, to whatever reality they come from. And he thinks he's kind of found it. But from there, we wind up uh, going back over the city in New York, where um, the Avengers have uh, cornered a mindless one in an office building. And they're kind of pushing him around, and we got like um, we got Nick Fury swinging around outside in his hover car, and like uh, Captain America and the rest of them mentioned that he's he's making his way towards the whatever the west side of the building or whatever. Right. And like they tell Nick to watch out, and he's like, well, "What are you talking about? There's no there's nowhere for it to go." And it just kind of smashes out the side of the building and lands in his hover car. Uh, an important thing to also know is that the mindless ones are developing spontaneous telekinesis and are now so shamed by whatever their original sin was that they can't take it. Like, they're, they're all looking for an escape, either to run or to commit suicide or anything to get away from... Yeah, they're freaking the hell out. Yeah. Is there one screaming something like, turn it off? Yeah. Yeah. From their memories. Like, they literally, the mindless ones were mindless. And so for them to even be able to think is one big thing, but them to think and project their thoughts into other people's heads crazy. It's, it's pretty far from what they used to be. Um, but yeah, Nick's <laughs> kind of trying to imagine, trying to manage the flying car with a, a mindless one fighting him in the back. He's driving around his car is Betty, much as Agent Coulson has Lola. Uh, Nick, well, up until the next couple panels, had Betty. And he uses its defense system to wrap up the mindless one. And ejects and then blows the car apart awesome. to try to take out the mindless one. And he winds up dropping him in the bay. And of course, you know, the Avengers are kind of like, Did you capture it alive? <laughs> Yo. But we already know mindless ones everywhere with intelligence. That's pretty crazy. Right. And so we flash back to Avengers Tower where we got Iron Man and Bruce Banner evidently working on trying to chase down where the Mindless Ones have made their breach into our world. And Iron Man's talking about, you know, all these trace particles that he's finding and how he can find these connections between this other world and that he can't get a hold of uh, Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange's area is the Mindless Ones. Right. And the whole time he's wearing his Iron Man helmet and gloves and a bathrobe. Yep. About halfway through it, Bruce Banner's kind of like, you know, hey, could you do this without wearing the bathrobe? Put on some pants. She put on some pants or something, and he's like, I'm a professional here. <laughs> Let's be professional about what we're doing. <laughs> it's pretty funny, yeah, because he's yeah. sitting in his underwear. Yeah, don't need... Do you think maybe uh, you should put on some pants? That's good stuff. Yeah. No, he says it later here. He says something about being professional here. But um, from there we go to where Doctor Strange... And the Punisher have been sent, which is uh, somewhere beyond the realm of man in the land of the man-eating shadows. Super crazy team-up, too. Yes. Oh, right? Yeah. It makes no sense that these two would be together at all. And the Punisher is like, 
being really agitated with uh, Doctor Strange because he's like, we're just out in the open, and I don't, I don't stand out in the open for anybody. So get into the shadows, and he's like, well, they call this place, you know, the Shadow Eater Land for mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. The place where the shadows eat you. Yeah, right. Pro- probably not the best choice to do this. And so Doctor Strange like summons up some flying firebirds that can smell murder. Yeah, he decides to summon some crows to, that can smell murder, and they'll follow the crows. And basically, like, the whole time, the Punisher's kind of like, I don't know why I'm here. And Nick Fury and uh, Doctor Strange is like, yeah, I don't know why you're here either. This really doesn't seem like a place for you. And he teleports him, and Punisher's like, next time I'll walk. I don't want to do that. Yeah, don't teleport me. <laughs> I don't like that. And the next, uh, they, they find what they've been looking for here, which is a giant, dead, like, chaos god. It looks an awful lot like one of the beasts from the from the bottom uh, the, in the mole man's yeah. territory. It looks it looks like it kind of looks like one of them. Like at least the mouth does. Yeah. The rest of the body. I mean, they're all crazy. <laughs> body is everywhere. So it's a beast king from the ancient world, and so he starts doing his magic to divine like what killed it, and Punisher just starts walking over onto it and starts poking around at the bull at the hole in its chest. He's like, yeah, I don't think you should do that. That's probably not a good idea. So. You know, crazy ancient monster. That's probably not the best choice. And he reaches in and like he he winds up pulling this bullet shell out. And he's like, "Well, this is why I'm here. Because I understand bullets. I understand guns. And I think he mentions something about like this looks like a, a bullet hole." He does. Yeah. To Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange is like, "That doesn't make any sense. This is a giant monster." Right. Lo and behold, giant kryptonite bullet. bullet. Yep. Uh, from there, we flash back to wherever our bads have been hiding, which we saw them at the very end of the first issue, and they were all kind of hanging out in the whole... It's almost like a warehouse. Yeah. Full of mindless ones. And we got this guy with, like, an Elephant Man-style sack over his head, and he's been holding the Eye of, of the Watcher, and evidently the Eye of the Watcher is somehow elevating him, changing his... Changing who he is, evolving him is what he says. Yeah, it's, he's trying to get it to open, and the whole time the, the eye is shut, but it's affecting him anyway, and it's affecting the mindless ones around them. Yeah, it seems to have changed all of them, and then we kind of see a guy in the background. He's been extremely changed, evidently, by the eye, and like he's he's kind of been very sickly. And uh, you know, they kind of know that they're not going to be able to stay here very long. Now that the Avengers know that the mindless ones are connected to this. And there's this kind of discussion about whether they want to leave the guy or not. And of course, uh, I think it's the lady that's with him is like, you know, there's no way we're going to leave him. And the eye guy, you know, the other guy's like, eh, I don't know. The guy's holding the eye. Right. Things this, might happen. This is the, the sick guy's the one that looks a lot like the thing, right? Yep. That's correct. Yeah, they kind of reveal everybody here in a few moments. But like, the first thing they kind of show is that the Avengers have found where they're at, and they've surrounded this building with, like, every superhero you can think of. So, like, there's a, a big old shield helicopter in the background, there's two or three Quinjets, the Blackbird's there, we've got the Human Torch, we've got Iceman, we've got Storm. Like, every angle is surrounded. And I kind of demand that this guy starts coming out. And so the girl that's with them goes over and starts, like, messing around in her armory for these crazy golden guns. And, like, she busts out the window, and it's the first time that we get an introduction to her, which is uh, Extremenix, which she's been around before, but I'm yeah. not entirely familiar with her. She's like a whips and leather type looking girl. 
Yeah. Her whole bondage outfit is crazy, but yeah, she's basically a shoot 'em up type. And so she comes busting out the window, firing on all the Avengers, surrounded by mindless ones. And like, she actually winds up taking down a couple of the Quinjets and stuff, and she's just talking about how she's gonna murder anybody who comes across her, and she made plans with the Elephant Man in the other room to take, uh, take their sick friend out under any means. And so she, like, comes running after them and is like, kill the pretty ones. And, like, the Avengers are, uh, making their way back. And she's like, what he says. And it's like, Wolverine's, like, garring at them. Yeah, it was horrible. There, sorry. <laughs> the Avengers are going to take them out. That's yes. pretty much what's going on. The Avengers are going after everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's bad news for Dominatrix <laughs> with her golden guns. Anyhow, we flash back into the building, and we have the character now that we see looks like a ton like the thing, except for that his face cracks are all, like, blue. Glowing blue, yeah. Yeah, he looks an awful lot like the thing looked when he was the Chosen in Fear Itself. Yeah, that's true. A while back, so... But, um, the guy keeps talking about how he's, he's trying to find a way to open the eye, because he thinks the eye has information in it, and the eye, you know, the the... the Sick one is like, I, I hear you talking to the eye at night. And he's like, yeah, I've been talking to it ever since we got him. Because I know it has secrets, and I'm, I have to know the secrets. It's like, even though the eye is no longer attached to the watcher, it's still watching. Which is crazy, but yeah. And he manages to get him all the way to the front door. And of course, by the time he gets outside, like every Avenger superhero that they could muster is down here waiting for them. And so he kind of like lets his pal the thing kind of go and we see the thing is clearly there with the avengers so yeah, whoever so this is the thing. it isn't the thing but it looks it an looks awful lot like the thing yeah. and he kind of comes to the side and starts talking about how the eye is now reacting like the eye is still watching for important events like it needs these things and it starts glowing and so he starts like referring to the bomb the eye as a bomb and like as as we come to the close of the book, he's like, well, "What do bombs do?" As he rips off his elephant man potato sack, and like they go boom, and it reveals that he's like the orb, which is like the lowest class D supervillain from old Ghost Rider stories. Uh, he's basically a dude with a giant eye for a head. Yeah, crazy town. I think yeah. he fought Spider Man a couple times. Maybe. And Deadpool. I'm pretty sure when he fought Deadpool, he told him to stop punching him in the eye, which is his head. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. But yeah, whatever is happening to him, it's changing him. So yeah. somehow I think the orb is going to wind up being something more. Maybe, man. I don't know. He still looks like crazy town. However, he did say that they were not the ones who killed the Watcher. Oh, true. Yeah, that's right. They were actually just given the eye. And now the eye is affecting them as much as it as did whoever gave it to them. Right, they watched the, the, the mindless ones too, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy town. It's crazy town. Uh, Rob score book? Uh, go ahead and give it a three. Like a, original Sins actually turn out really, really well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. I like the subgroup. It's not connected to Fury. Well, Jay? Well, I'd say about 7 out of 10. 
Seven out of ten. Eight out of ten. The scale we use is uh, one to five. five. One to five. How about four? All right. All right. How does that sound? There That's a good one. We like All that. Right. All right, Miss Mike. <laughs> I'll give it a three. Right. Original Nick Fury. Okay. It's true. Mr. Ross. I'll give it a three too. It actually reminds me a lot of Blackest Night so far, just with the yeah. crazy D class okay. villains and. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Unusual team ups. Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Curtis. Original Sin, Watcher, been a big fan of the Watcher all these years, been watching him. I'm going to give it a, what, what am I going to give <laughs> You've it? been watching the Watcher? Watching the Watcher. Probably. Someone's got to do it. Watchmen. Mm. Probably a three. Why would you say that? Three? Yeah. Some Nick Fury action there. Blowing up cars. Right. Yeah, Nick Fury gets that. Badass Nick Fury. Gets work done. Yeah. Right. Old school. It's a good score. Word. All right. Uh, I would give it um, a three also. It was, it was good. Like it's it, So far, Original Sin has been pretty cool. And I, I think it's going to be a catalyst for a bunch of other things. So I'll give you, I didn't expect the orb. I don't know, I don't know who would. When he's got the potato sack on, it doesn't look like an eyeball underneath there, but whatever. Could have been Swamp Thing. It could have been Swamp Thing. That's true. It could have been anything. In this case, it could be Man Thing, but whatever. I think that's a different kind of book. You see him coming. You don't ever see Swamp Thing coming. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a good point. That's a good point. That's... I don't think it's gross. <laughs> or Scarecrow oh. just somehow decided to come over to Marvel. Right, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Dang it, Scarecrow. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, Swamp Thing also decided to come with him, apparently. Because hmm. Man Thing is a Swamp Thing. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, Mr. Mike, what's uh, some Deadly Hands of Kung Fu? Sure. All right. <laughs> Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number one. Well, we open up. These just happen to be characters of, of course, uh, you can tell by the question answers, that are characters that I'm really uh, fond of and some of my favorites over the years. So i uh, uh taken a really close look at this book because you don't get too many Shang-Chi stories. So right. with that in mind, we open the book in uh, Chinatown, London, and there's a... Uh, young woman running from a group of what appears to be assassins. They catch up to her, obviously, and they, uh, they attack. Um, she does fight back, and uh, she calls them shadow ghosts. So she does know who they are. She's, a, she's been up to something. They, 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 she knows them. They know her. Right. Pretty high-paced, like, martial art, like, craziness happening the entire time. Exactly. It's kind of like a, a opening to a James Bond movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's very uh, high-paced. I mean, what's the weapon they use there on the little golden monkey? It would be a flying guillotine. Yeah. How many books do you get a flying guillotine in, Rob? It's pretty rare. Shang-Chi. Right. There you go. <laughs> Well, they do, uh, even though she does get a hold of a knife, uh, they do overpower her. And she does manage to uh, throw the knife and jab one of them in the eye. Yeah, it actually goes through his head. Yeah, and he laughs. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing a little bit. Yeah, he should be dead, but it's a comic. Well, uh, yeah. more, more than that. It's just, yeah. 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 But the leader shows up and decides to put a stop to the games right. that they're playing with her. 
and the leader happens to appears to be um, one of his old enemies that I remember from when I used to read it, Razor Fist. This is a guy who's uh, evidently opted instead of hands to go straight with knives or swords. Yep, exactly. I don't know uh, how you would uh, take care of you uh, make decision. I don't business. Yeah. <laughs> I was never asked. That's for sure. <laughs> He has one of those automatic toilets. It's okay. Yes. Oh, a, a bidet. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Maybe so. All right. Yeah. That might That's work. Be- better than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cat scratching a post. <laughs> it's a lot of slapping. Or a blades. corn cob. <laughs> anyway, he uh, has a few words with her. Um, she spits on him, and then he. Uh, Rips her in half. Yeah, he pretty much rips her in half. With his uh, razor fists. Mm-hmm. Of justice? I don't think they're justice. I would doom. say of doom. I, I would say of, yeah. of doom or villainy. Mm. It just fist. leaves her laying in pieces. Right? That's brutal. It's, yeah. it's pretty hardcore, yeah. I, I will give you that, sir. Um, wow. It's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you're like, man, did that really just happen? And Right. Yeah, yeah, but did like there's, did. A, there's a few books with that kind of feeling. This this particular cast, but the, yeah, that it's pretty brutal. But, I mean, granted, the, uh, drawing for it, could, I guess it could be more hardcore. Or an Otley drew to be more hardcore. <laughs> well, yes. But it's still pretty. It's pretty hardcore considering this is a character that I don't know was a fairly important part of of his past. Oh, I mean, Shang Chang- Chi's. Yeah, which exactly. I think we're about to go over that part. So Mike, keep going. We cut to the Rocky Mountains. Of all places to be, really? Yeah. And uh, they're telling us that the mercenary Crossbones has escaped from his present prison transport. Uh, he is in a helicopter, right? Uh, and end again in James Bond fashion. Here comes Shang Chi down the mountain on a snowmobile. Right. What does he do with that snowmobile, Mike? Well, he takes that snowmobile. I don't even know if 007 can pull this off. You know, I don't know if he would try. I guess it would depend on which one it is. Yeah, well, he takes that snowmobile and runs it right up inside the helicopter. Oh, yeah. And then tends to, and uh, gets, uh, gets, gets down to business and grabs crossbones and beats the hell out of him. <laughs> well, he has to jump out of the helicopter because oh, it's going down, obviously. Right. Yeah, most helicopters can't survive a snowmobile. Right. Which, well, well, yeah, unless but, maybe Tony Stark built it, but in this particular case, I don't believe that. I, I don't think that was the, the case in this game, yeah. It also had the ultimate surprise effect, because even Crossbones was like, really, a snowmobile shang? <laughs> As it smashes into the side of it. The pilot does pull a gun on him, though, before the, the helicopter explodes in a furious ball of death. <laughs> <laughs> to no avail. Nah, no, Shang still makes it out, parachutes down, zip ties him, brushes his hair back. Yep, man, he's get has to ca- he catches a call. Yeah, which you know what I I love this about this though, because you know like eighty percent of the time they answer the phone or something and we actually see it and it's like oh Captain America's calling or Steve Rogers or and so he actually has st- stars and stripes as the name for the caller. <laughs> I kind of thought that was actually a little clever. Like, okay, well, it's kind of like a secret idea if he was to lose his phone. Well, Shang-Chi is, first and foremost, a spy. This is true. Well, it's how he... Wouldn't he first and foremost be the master of Kung Fu? Well, 
spy the secondary second. spy. Still. spy. The spy business is his business. Mm, that's <laughs> true. Like that's was true. his business. <laughs> right, Who knows? He might be a spy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is a spy. Um, Captain America decides that something calls him in on a matter, or urgent matter, right. and breaks it to him that someone very close to him has uh, died in a very horrible fashion, and that would be Lake Owu, who he worked with at MI6 back in the day, and he also, uh, they were a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. And she's, of course, the woman we saw ripped in half at the beginning of the book. Which irritated me a little bit, because she was, she was a cool character back then. Right. So he decides he's going to take a leave, and he's going to go and pay... His respects to her and her family. I'm actually surprised, like how business-like he is with Steve too, because he's he's very much like, yeah, I'm gonna need some time off from the Avengers to go take care of this. And Captain yeah, America, like, you know, anybody else they leave. Yeah, and Cap kind of makes it sound like you want the Avengers to come and help you. He's like, no, no, fine, we'll take care of it. I do science. Yeah, it's kind of funny me how business-like that way. Yeah, well, Shane is he's a different sort of cat. So. Well, he also tells him don't do anything rash. I've been there. But maybe you're going to get some revenge. However, he does. He swings by the Tiger Dojo. Uh, now these characters, I don't know a whole lot. I don't have a lot of uh, exposure to uh, the tigers. Um, where are they from? The... I don't know. They I'm must not, have come between... They've they got to be somewhere Curtis. after Heroes for Hire, but before Secret Avengers. There's yeah. a lot of time in between, though. So. And I don't know how, what, you know, I'm not up to date on the... I haven't read any of that either, so... Mm-mm. But they're, uh, they're angry. Shang's coming off like, you know, he's not that... He wants to go pay his respects. He's not out for revenge. And they, they, they want to push it and... and uh, Basically, they've they've hung on to something for him, which is a, a sword that uh, Lako had given him when they parted ways and decided to go different paths, so it's real special to him. Right. And he th- thinks it should be buried with her. So they respect his wishes, give him the sword. And he hops on a plane and uh, heads over. And it looks like he does visit with her, her family. And yeah. presents the sword. It's really kind of cinematic, like because we get frame, frame, frame. Yeah, it's all silent. Dialogue. It's all silent. It's all like him just going, and so it's, it's very like movie esque the way it's done. And then uh, at the funeral. Um, after that, he has decided to head down to Chinatown in London, right. the scene of the crime. Take a look at a few things, see what happened, because everybody knows if you don't, if you know Shang Chi. He is gonna go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's gonna investigate. Exactly. And as he's kind of wandering down the crime scene, he starts noticing everybody's kind of watching him. Yep. And he kind of starts going, "Well, maybe it's just my mind, but <laughs> eh, maybe not." Now his his that's that's, a, that's one thing that I enjoyed about this is the because in the the older run he always had that inner monologue going. Um, you know, all that. The peace and Zen and the mm-hmm. you know the kung fu stuff and, he, and it's they 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 pretty much nail it here for the most part. Yeah, 
But as he goes around a corner, somebody makes their move. And uh, he basically kicks the hell out of them. Right. And, and he goes to get some information, wants to know who they're working for. But the said uh, person who got the hell kicked out of him uh, decides he'd rather die on his back than live on his knees, and he uh, bites into a si- the old-fashioned cyanide capsule. Cyanide capsule hidden in the tooth. Yep. And he's gone before he can yeah. get any information. Then they start coming out of the woodwork. Uh, he does take a knife to the back. Uh, uh, he knows he's dealing with trained assassins. Um, he does manage to fight them off, obviously. Yeah. With some Kung Fu shenanigans. Oh, absolutely. He catches, you know, even the old uh, standard catch the knife between my hands before it pierces my heart kind of thing. Yep. And mm. uh, turns it around on him. Uh, he, uh, he does manage to run down one particular uh, assassin and um, decides that he's not going to take a coward's way out because he wants some information. So he tears his tooth out before he can crunch down on that tasty capsule. Right. <laughs> That's pretty brutal, too. <laughs> he rips the tooth out of his face. <laughs> yeah, while well, he's holding his, he's got his mouth wrenched up. But <laughs> yeah. Pretty awesome. And then he proceeds to question him. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets uh, he gets a few answers. He gets his answer, and it's the White Dragon, who also I'm not real familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously has that's a name he's not heard in ages. And about that time, uh, you know, a few cars or black vehicles pull up, and he runs into another person he has not seen in quite some time from his old MI6 days, and that would be Black Jack Tar, who runs the show now. Um, he's asked him not to uh, get involved. He's going to give him a pass after seeing the carnage that he's left and wants him to leave and go home. Knowing full well that he's not going to do that. They're going to stand back and they're going to follow him and he's going to take them right to who they're looking for. Yeah, apparently Blackjack Tar is now running the MI5 stuff, so... He's like their Captain America kind of. They're Nick Fury kind. Yeah. They're Nick Fury. That's the more Nick Fury analogy. But his uh, uh, one of his underlings does make a pretty cool comment. He says, uh, "But he's your friend. Aren't you worried for his life?" And he said, "His life. Obviously, you haven't done your research. Read, read Chang's dossier. You should be m- much more worried about the ones he's looking for." <laughs> Freaking awesome. So it's a it's a great issue to start with. Right. I was hoping for a little more uh, on the art, but it's it's passable. The stories the stories uh, looks pretty good. Ben Benson is doing a pretty good job of the story, so we'll see how it goes. Right, right. Four issues though. Yeah, I wish it was six. At least uh, I wish it was just. Well, it'd be nice for an ongoing, yeah. But, but not everybody likes the kung fu yeah. stuff. Well, we're we're real lucky right now because we got a bunch of it. Because we have, you know, I mean, Daredevil, okay. More or less a staple, but you know we got Moon Knight and we got Iron Fist both making debuts now. So who knows? Maybe this will catch fire and it'll do really well, and then we'll see a Shang Chi book. But it's gonna make a comeback, I'm telling you. All that old kung fu stuff. Everything else yeah. does. I can hope so. Godzilla did. Right. Godzilla's never really went away. He's right about that. <laughs> he just was sleeping under the ocean. 
That's where he always is, Jay. Yeah. I'm giving this a four because I, I just love the characters. So I'm mm -hmm. biased. Right. But if you get a chance to go and read some of that older stuff, it's amazing. Good stuff. I agree. When, there was also what the, the Rom book with him. Wasn't oh, yeah, the dude. oh, yeah, he made yeah, appearances he had in all a lot kinds of, team of books. Up books with all kinds of people. At one point, even Rom, man, this is, I don't know when this was, early 80s? They're dealing with an uh, Egyptian mummy lady, and the mummy lady sucking the power, getting, she's draining these, these kids so they're, okay, back up one second, here we go. So, this mummy lady gets resurrected at a museum, and there's, of course, a field trip of kids there, and so she's draining the kids' life force to get herself power to fight Shang-Chi and Rom, and the two of them are trying to deal with her, and the guy who runs the museum is like, well, quick, kill the kids, because if you kill the kids, we'll stop her having power. And Rom's like, mm, shoot the kids? No, we can't shoot the kids. He's got his ultimate nullifier, fire, and I'm like, just blast the kids, Rom, it'll take the problem out. And Rom tries to blast her, and of course that doesn't work. So what does Shang-Chi do? He goes and breaks some glass, takes some Chinese stars, and he throws them at the mummy lady, and Chinese stars her head off. Awesome. Freaking great. I like how killing the kids was like even an option there for a second. You know, sometimes when you're afraid... When you it wasn't Rom's idea. When you're a space knight, you gotta do the better, yeah. the greater good. And if some kids have to pay the price, <laughs> you know, the kid up to my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> really? Really? He's yeah, gonna he's be the son. I didn't like kickasses. It killed the fixes. It doesn't matter what the problem is. Your toaster's broken. Ultimate nullifier. Yeah. It don't matter. David The horse needs his leg fixed. Ultimate nullifier. In the Avengers, it doesn't matter. There's two things that could happen there. I just heard that. It fixes the problem. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who Jay, do you want to score the uh, Master Kung Fu? Actors. Uh, I would say a four. I did like the story for it as well. His <laughs> wife in Godzilla. Mr. Ross? Give it a three and a half. That was where the so thing like came up for the person who was talking to me. Uh, they were like, Deadly Hands of Kung yeah, Fu? This movie, Ooh. I like you some Shang-Chi. Um, and in the next movie, she's been his sister. That's cool, so... We'll give, like it a, we'll give it a solid it's three. It's a good start. We'll see where it goes. It's okay, they're um, Misty Moon Knight's supposed to be coming in, so. Right. I like I likes her. She was like a werewolf hunter, too, so. Misty Knight was a werewolf hunter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. So. Her and Alyssa Bloodstone get work done. Easy. There you go. Yeah, I'm just saying. Easy. Oh, you mean as a team? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what right. are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Ladies. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kung Fu is awesome. Mm. Um, I give it a three also. It is good. Like Mike said, I kind of wish it was a little longer. And I don't know. At this point, the art's, the art's not bad, but it, it, there's a lot of cinematic scenes to it, so I don't know, man. It, it's pretty good. I'm going to point something out. You said also. You're the only one with a three so far, sir. <laughs> well, 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 you know. Oh, snap. <laughs> it, it happens. Rob? Uh, I'll give it a 3.5. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I gave him the last book at three also. Pretty sure. Oh, I gotcha. I guess you have to go back to the replay and, nice and, and listen to it. Mm, yes, yes. On the boat and going. <laughs> Rob, what was your score? Uh, 3.5. Actually, I enjoyed the book. I think it played out really well. It was neat to have some of the cinematic stuff. But, um, man, ripping out that tooth. That was, that was pretty awesome. I don't like the fact that they killed her off. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm surprised that they did that. She was a huge character in that whole... That whole run. There was like four of them. Yeah. They, were, they ran together, and then they had the old guy. It looks like they're also going to bring in 
uh, Misty Knight in the next one, so hopefully that'll also be calling Wing, which I think she had a connection to Shang-Chi as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, there aren't next. they? Both of them are uh, the daughter of the dragon. That's yes. Yeah. yeah. They're part of the whole kung fu thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, the connection with the Iron Fist. And I didn't get to read a lot of the older, like the, the magazine format, uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Right. Okay. Yeah. The old black and white magazine. I haven't read a lot of those. So mm. I don't know. There's probably a lot of there's a lot of history there too. Right. Between all these characters. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think the only one who's not around still is uh, the White Tiger from that time period, because we have uh, now his legacy, his niece, is the White Tiger. Oh right. Yeah. The characters from that time period. I heard somebody, the Dynamite, got the rights to Shaft. Really. Huh. I read something about that. Interesting. Well, somebody, some company did. They got the rights huh. for Shaft and something else. No. Oh, yeah. Is it Superfly? Maybe? No. Okay. You know, Superfly, man, Shaft is a better choice. It's a great name. It is I'm, a great I'm, name. I'm serious. If it. somebody got the rights to Shaft, there are going to be some Shaft comics. That's coming. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm not with a little bit of Shaft. Yeah, that didn't come out right. <laughs> I'm okay with a little bit of Shaft's comic books. Mmm. About Shaft, who's one bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Shaft. Who played Shaft? Richard Roundtree. <laughs> there we go. Or Sam Jackson. Or Richard Roundtree. Or Richard Roundtree. <laughs> He's still alive? Heck yeah. Yeah, Samuel Jackson's alive. <laughs> <laughs> like credit card commercials. A lot of them lately. Man. Take a look at him in that credit card commercial. He looks rough. He does look a little rough. I'm not going to lie. Man. But he looked great as Nick, so I don't know. Maybe that was... Yeah. Maybe they didn't spring well, If you put him in that credit card uh, get up and you throw him in that, I don't think he could have turned that gun. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he get shot by lightning and thrown out of a window? Pretty sure, yeah. 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 All right. That'll hurt a guy. Granted, that's true. Yeah, that'll hurt a guy. Anyway. He does go from Nick Fury to bum in like three seconds, though, which was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Man. I totally bought his cover. <laughs> just me. Yeah, uh, he does. <laughs> oh, man. It's in Cap 2. Oh, my God. Which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Okay, it, i got to ask you. You've seen all the comic movies thus far. Sure. See? Which one was the best one so far? Ever? No, no, just this summer, you know. Just the, this year. Oh, just this year? This year, okay. I'd, I'd still say Cap 2. Man. Uh, For this year. Yeah. Yeah, I... I mean, X-Men was really, really good. Uh, as a standalone movie by itself, though, Captain America. Because without the other movies, the, the action so Spider-Man doesn't even sense. come in. Uh, Spider-Man was good, too, but as a standalone, it doesn't make sense either. I mean, you already start in progress. And, like, that movie's its shortcomings is that they expect you to believe things that they never show what you. What if you throw Godzilla into the mix? Well, he, yes, he doesn't have a that cape. wins. He could. I will say Winter Soldier. Barring that, Godzilla. Man. I enjoy the Godzilla. Big irradiated lizard. You and Ross both. It was it was fantastic, and I hate Brian Cranston. Oh, I really? like, yeah, but I love Godzilla. Brian Cranston was the Breaking Bad. The Breaking Bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I would watch it again, which I can't say about Winter Soldier. I'll wait till it comes on the idiot box. But I'd go to Godzilla again. Weird, right? I, I didn't realize that the main character in that is evidently kick-ass. Yeah. Never dawned on me. 
Really? The yeah. kid that played Kick-Ass? Yeah. I didn't know that. Man. Really? Really. Yeah, he's the son. I didn't like Kick-Ass, though, so. I, I hear that he's also Quicksilver in the Avengers. That's a lie. He's not the same guy. David Lazuski. Okay. Yeah, different guy. Oh, in the Avengers? Yeah. Oh. You know what? I don't know I, that. I just heard that. There's a lot of people who seem to not be able to separate actors from roles. Well, he's an actor. It's okay. <clears throat> he can be both. His wife in Godzilla is going to be Scarlet Witch. Yeah. So that'll be weird. That, that was where the thing came up for the person who was talking to me, because they were like, yeah, in this movie, she's his wife. And in the next movie, she's his sister. That's weird. And it's like, they're actors, it's, it's okay. It is a little weird, actually. It's okay, they're actors. They're just actors. <laughs> He'll look different. He'll have hair. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I didn't... I'll talk about that later. <laughs> this is that like Johnny Depp and his crazy sister? Helena Bonham Carter? That's what I'm talking about. Crazy no. sister. No. no. He's American, she's British. Whatever. I guess it works in your little world. Yeah, it's, it's people, things. <laughs> Have you seen her hair? Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen Jay's hair? Yes. <laughs> it's, Creepy correlation, right? It's a little weird. <laughs> shaking his head at you right now. <laughs> you have to speak up, Jay. He'll kill me. Later. <laughs> if Godzilla had a cape, I guess he would. He was so pretty which, much a hero. Would the Godzilla movie be better than Winter Soldier? I, I wouldn't say so. Oh, I yeah, think so. No, no, no. I haven't seen Winter Soldier though, but I still think so. Yeah, yeah. when you see Winter Soldier, you might, you might yeah, think. Yeah, you can't. Don't, just <laughs> don't get me wrong. Godzilla was Excluding awesome. Excluding Winter Soldier, uh, I I could do that. I I did like uh, Spider Man though. For like surprisingly enough, I I figured that Jamie was going to be the crutch for that film that I would not like. Like that I was not going to be able to deal with him as Electro, and. He came across as great, actually. He pulled it off. I yeah. I really actually liked that whole like him having the, the personality issues, like where he's got yeah. his own like. He does have personality issues. You he's know, an ass. Imaginary friend, Spider-Man. Like I loved it. I thought that was like, actually great. Where he thought Spider-Man absolutely was his friend, and he completely forgot about him for a little bit. Possibly, or possibly that's just how he made it through his dance. But I I liked that. I thought it was a good angle. For the movies. Oh, overall, right, overall was good, but the, the oh. shortcomings is everything else. Mm. But if, if Goblin, if I was gonna drop off Cap, it would be X Men. Actually, I still. So think you think X Men is better than Godzilla? Yes, because I like X Men. <laughs> <laughs> you should know this. So you see, I'm trying to figure out which one I'm gonna go see: Godzilla or X Men. Godzilla. Oh, I see. Go see Godzilla, Mike. Well, you've seen the X Men movies, X-Men? right? Yeah. You've seen the other X-Men movies, right? Did You've also seen Godzilla, right? Some Godzilla. Did you like X-1 and 2, like the first two X-Men? The second one, yeah. Same writer. So right. Didn't he do the third one, too? No. No. Oh. It's he the same dropped. director as the second one, too, actually. And the first yeah. One. And the first one. Anyway. Which one will Mike pick? Dun, 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 next episode. Oh, we'll have to find out. Uh, Neither one. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll wait for it to show up on TV. I'm going to go rent X3. Free TV. Awesome. <laughs> Until then, I'm going to watch Will Fortune. <laughs> and Jeopardy. You know, I do like Will Fortune, all right? I think I'll just watch it. Like, I can find something better than that. I'll watch Price is Right. <laughs>
Bird Notice or something. Bird Notice? Yeah, okay. There's seven seasons of that. That's, you, you <laughs> that's a good choice. a lot of time to fill there. <laughs> that's a good choice. We are also working through Burn Notice, so. That's true. That's good. That's a good time. Yeah. And I have to say, Bruce Campbell makes that show. Bruce Campbell is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, he's pretty big part of it. If, if Zach is listening. Without him, I don't think it would be just, just wouldn't have the. <laughs> I don't know about that. It wouldn't but, have the same, you know, he's like the comic relief. Yeah, it works out. It works out. But if, but if Zach is listening, Bruce Campbell is going to be in Denver. If you're going to heckle, you need to get out there, bud. <laughs> Which is crazy to me because I always assumed that he actually knew who Bruce Campbell was because we were all excited about meeting him and he had no idea. So it, yeah, that was it, was, it was great. It's a story from the old days, when there are Irish ways and Irish laws. Curtis, you want to lead us through some Invincible 111? And it's Bloodthirsty Wrath of Doom. So, there's a little backstory to Invincible. He's been fighting this multidimensional bad Invincibles, <laughs> I, right. for lack of a better term. Um, robot, who's kind of like his Iron Man, was trapped in a dimension for about a thousand years, the Flaxen Empire. And through the thousand years, he became kind of a corrupted, dictative leader, and he's been wanting to get that back to Earth. Um, yeah, he seems to think he can, uh, he can bring peace to Earth through that. Right. And when he trapped Invincible in this other universe with the, uh, a bad Invincible and thought that he had died, but Invincible's made his way back to his proper universe, and uh, his girlfriend, Adam Eve, is pregnant, and she decides that she doesn't want anything to do with him because she doesn't know if he's going to die, do this, do that, which doesn't make sense to me because she's a superhero as well. Right, well, you got to admit, she, she thought he was dead. For, he let everybody think he was dead ever since the Battle of Dinosaur. So, like... Dinosaurus. Dinosaurus, excuse me. So, so I, you kind of understand her being pissed, but yeah, she's like, yeah, you can get the hell out of here. And that's right. pretty much, yeah, last well, issue she tells him that. And this isn't the first time that he's done this where she's thought he was dead. True. Because he went off and fought with his dad, the, the Viltrumites. And the Viltrumites is, he's part Viltrumite, part human. His dad was came here to conquer the earth, defeated his dad and flew off. And now his dad's good and has a base on the moon. Which is awesome. So that's kind of in a nutshell. He's got a sweet mustache too. Yeah, Nolan. Yeah, that's a good name. It's all Magnum PI style, man. All right. So <laughs> we open this issue with uh, Invincible, kind of in a crater in this farmer's field, and farmers looking over and uh, saying, "Hey, uh, my boy's about your size. You want some clothes?" And because Invincible has just been, he's had his clothes ripped off and been kind of a. Uh, uh, accosted by a female Viltrumite who's trying to propagate the species, I would assume. So he was uh, super... How can I put this lightly? Steve, say something. <laughs> she uh, took advantage of him? Yes. In like the, on the ground. Popsicle sticks and tape. You know, it's it's one of those things like, yeah, <laughs> she, she's, she's a dominative lady. Yeah. And, well, you know. And Viltrumites are super strong, so right. they're like the Kryptonians without the kryptonite problem. Basically, but, uh, yeah. So she flies off. Uh, farmer gives him some clothes. Um, he flies off to the Pentagon, where Cecil's at. Cecil's kind of like 
uh, Nick Fury? Yeah, but not as cool. Right. He's Scarface Nick Fury. <laughs> <clears throat> so he's talking with uh, with Cecil and, and trying to find out where uh, Robot is. And uh, Robot shows up and um, Robot kind of lays out what had happened. He was in the, the Flaxen Empire for a thousand years. Right. He admits that he lied to them originally mm -hmm. about being there for less time than he was. And Cecil was, Cecil's kind of hesitant to believe uh, Invincible, but... It's that nagging thing because uh, um, Robot actually asked for all the Global Defense Agency emergency protocols. So that takes care of CAFES. That takes care of uh, guarding the globe, guardians of the globe. Right. That's all their super-powered teams, and he's got all the codes for those now. And uh, um, he's he's, and uh, him and Invincible start yelling at each other. and um, We see this little thing pop out of Robot's shoulder. And uh, he's got, like, the switchblade in his wrist. Right. And he walks over to, uh, and the, the thing that pops out of his shoulder actually kind of incapacitates Invincible. Yeah, like, it's a, like super a sonic, sonic thing. thing, yeah. And he walks over to uh, Cecil and uh, kind of uh, makes him into a human Pez dispenser. Except instead of dispensing Pez, it's blood. Freaking everywhere. Yeah, yeah it was pretty out of control. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah. And Ryan Otley's a master at drawing that stuff, so... Oh, yeah. Um, but that's not it. That's not it. Cecil falls to the ground, and the robot decides he's going to uh, crush that Pez dispenser and kind of steps on his his noodle. And so he he stomps on his head on the way out? Like, after slitting his throat. Yeah. It, it's the most hardcore it, book that came out this month. You thought saying she was bad. Probably the most gorgeous this month. Right. And the book before that, that was pretty brutal, too. Yeah. A different yeah. kind of brutal, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some some men wouldn't complain about that. No. <laughs> he seemed to be pretty up upset about it. Well, his girlfriend broke up with him, and he gets raped by another space lady. It's not the way that it came out of my mouth just now, but the same. It's brutal. Like, way brutal. Yeah, it's jawbone. You're right, man. So uh, Invincible's still kind of incapacitated, but he manages to uh, get one punch off and severs a robot's head from his body. And, of course, if you don't know, um, robot kind of has automatons, just like Tony Stark does now. Right. So they're piloted, and they're just robots. Right. So, But the head's lying on the ground, and ultimately he says, uh, meet me up at your house. And that's where, of course, Adam Eve is. Right. He's like, yeah, I, I didn't want it to come this far, but now I have to stop you, and I know how to stop you. Mm -hmm. So meet me there. Right. So then we see uh, robots just talking to Adam Eve, and uh, kind of just like regular talk. Seems like everything's fine. She has no clue that anything bad has happened at all. And then uh, Invincible flies through the damn door, says, hey, Eve, get behind me. And she's like, what? <laughs> and uh, so this fight ensues with uh, him and Robot, and... Robot has created a new armor that can kind of maybe withstand, um, but but he knows that eventually he can break it, and it's made out of volcanic-tempered titanium alloy. And the the harder that Invincible punches, it gives off this resonant frequency that can disable vitramites. Right. So the so, more he hits it, the yeah, stronger the sound is. A high-pitched tone. So the harder he hits, the more he hurts himself, and. Uh, so they're fighting, and, and a robot eventually gets kind of freed, and um, Adam Eve starts running away, 
and and robot's like, no, stay here or shut up or something like that because she says something. Yeah, she's she's basically like, I don't know why you're doing this. And he's just like, shut up and kind of grappling hooks her leg. Right. And uh, kind of uh, kind of rips it off. Yeah, he straight ripped her leg off. Yeah, and she's a pregnant lady. Yeah. And one limb less now. It's pretty crazy. And it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's shock factor for shock factor. Right. In some books, and this book kind of kind kind of can do that, but this is like, oh, my God. And there's, like, moments that you say, oh, my God, like once or twice or three times in this book. Right. Which usually doesn't happen. But anyway, um, so Adam Eve uses her transmorphing powers, I think it's called. Where she can trans, wow. she creates matter or can manipulate matter. Yeah, I think it's transmorphic. Yeah, yeah. She, she doesn't manipulate power or and, matter. Uh, and uh, if she uses her powers, her doctor says it can hurt her baby. Because mm-hmm. she, she does yeah. it anyway and crushes robot's head. And this is another automaton where robots. Not of course, yeah. So, because yeah, when she uh, she burns a ton of calories when she uses her powers, and so that's what they're. I think that's why they're worried about it for the babies. Right. She'll burn away all her calories to feed the baby or whatever. So uh, Invincible kind of places a tourniquet around her leg and starts flying off, and <clears throat> it, it the roles kind of reverse, where he wants her to use her power now, where she wanted to use it before, but he didn't want her to. And right. So she he's like, make us a force field, and they start flying off through the atmosphere in this pink force field, and uh, they end up on on his dad's base, and that's kind of where we leave off. His dad sees Invincible with. Adam Eve on the floor, and he doesn't know what to do. Right. And you see that a lot with Mark, because he's still a young kid where he just doesn't know what to do right now. Right. But his dad's been this ruling Viltrumite for so long. Maybe he can help. I don't know. I, you know, I don't. I don't know what he could do. I mean, at this point, Eve's in a bad, like a bad place, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah, hardcore. Yeah. So, yeah. It might be easier to defend her up there. Um, there was one thing that I, I thought was pretty interesting, in it, and I don't remember if he said it at the Pentagon or he said it at her house, which is that um, Robot was like, why don't can't you give me the same trust, like, trust that you gave Dr. Dinosaur? Right, because he wants to be a just dictator for the world. Yeah, he, he, seems he thinks to, he can bring that about. Yeah, he seems to think that he's doing like the right thing. Like this is like People need to know better, and he just knows better. Yeah, because he doesn't. He even lays that out for Invincible. Are you are you okay with all the violence in the world? Are you okay with all this in the world? And uh, he thinks that he can be that just dictator, which I mean, if we've seen from the Flaxen Empire, it didn't work for him there. No. So. Yeah, it's almost like the Sinestro mindset. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you all happy by controlling you. Right. That's. And, and I keep saying Flaxen Empire, so those who don't know, time is different in that. That uh, yeah. dimension. Yeah. So he's he was he went in as like an eleven year old kid and came out as an eighteen year old kid. So those thousand years he's probably aged only seven. Right. But he's got that thousand years of experience for an eighteen year old kid. So. Which is crazy. Yeah. He's just got too much brain right now. Right. And I I, I don't know if that dimension just made him crazy or not, but. It might have. I mean, that's a long time for a person to be alive. So. Right. It could quite possibly just drove him mad being alive that long. And he did have a kid in that dimension. Oh, jeez, I forgot about that. Yeah, with Monster Girl. Oh, was that their kid, or was that Monster Girl and one of the Flaxons? Well, 
let's not go there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it, it is one of the Flaxons. But he knew, and she didn't think that he knew. So mm, yeah. It's one of those deals. Anyway. <laughs> but he was over there with her for a thousand years, and she was a slave at one point, and he kind of threw her to the to the dogs. But they came back, and now they're happy somewhat. Well, like they were. <laughs> as happy as they can be. Now the universe is getting destroyed. Right. They're, he's killing everybody. So, Jerk. I don't know. Good book. I enjoy it, but like I said, I've been following it. I know Ross and and Mike, and I don't know if you're caught up. No, I'm not. So I'm always behind. But I, I think it is a good jumping on point, but you do need to know a little bit. Yeah. So. All right, carry score? <sighs> Honestly, I'm probably... I want to give it a five, but I know it's not that good of a story at this point. I'll give it a four. Right. For the oh my god moments. Right. Because you don't, you don't see Nick Fury dying all the time. You know what I mean. And if it is, it's an LMD. So we'll see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's pulled that before too, I Mm -hmm. guess. But uh, yeah, it looks pretty final. Yeah, but pulling off a a pregnant lady's leg, I mean, there's no redemption for Robot at this point. No. Yeah. At this point, he's gone too far. So he's got to be taken care of. He's like a, an evil Iron Man, but oh, yeah. but a lot smarter it feels. You know what I mean? Because he's had that thousand years. Right. Where Tony's just an average drunk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, four. I'd like to say he's a super drunk. <laughs> Capitalize the S on that? Sure. <laughs> All right. There's no S in drunk. That was super though. Yeah. <laughs> Drunks. <laughs> He's drunk. So uh, Ross score book go. I give it a three. It's it pretty good. We're not reading any of the other invincible stuff. Um, after that was kind of explained to me, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, because it's a little tough. Because I say this is like, oh, great new starting spot, but. It's if you don't know, if you don't it is a good starting spot but if you don't know anything at all about it it's kind of hard to understand quite the what's actually wh- happening. why it's as big of a thing as it is right yeah, yeah the way robots connected to things is like it, it'd be like you're uh I'm trying to think of a good explanation for something like that. it'd be like uh you're part of Justice League and all of a sudden Hal Jordan killed everyone yeah it's kind of like that like like Blackest Night you don't know a single thing about DC and you jump into that right and, same idea yeah it could be really rough um, let's see, I give it a three and a half also. Uh, Ryan Otley, awesome artist. Uh, it's always a high-paced book. Like, it's it's it's, it's good stuff. It, this one's so brutal, man. It's just so brutal. I mean, Eve's messed up. Like, he's having to go back to his dad. Like, this, it's so messed up. It's awesome. Rob? Uh, I, I give it a three and a half. Like, it, it's really, really good storyline. Uh, definitely crazy stuff. I, I agree with Curtis. Like, there's so many points in it where you're like, "Oh my gosh, oh my god, how do you come back from this? Like, where are we gonna go next with this story? I can't believe that that happened. Like, when he gets like, um, when Robot winds up ripping off Eve's leg. Yeah, oh, it's like holy, like just well, didn't expect it. The fact that she's pregnant makes it, yeah, you know, double, double. Yeah, it even makes it bad. worse. Yeah. So uh, I, there was a lot of just I can't believe this is happening in this book moments. So, Miss J. I have no clue what's going on in this book. <laughs> uh, I guess three. I mean, I 
Yeah, you, you're going to miss the pre-presser yeah. um, talk about what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you'd be able to Ross was probably to us explaining it to Ross. Yeah. So maybe Ross should explain it to you. With Go. His fist. Sweet. Okay, that <laughs> explains right. a lot. Yeah. I, I put it down to one then. Right? Oh, it goes that okay. way. <laughs> no, I need to punch him harder. Yeah, if you're punching me in the face, it goes down to a one. Uh, well, Dang it. Body shots, Rob. Punch him somewhere else. Look the body. <laughs> Mike? You give it a three and a half, just based yeah. on brutality alone. Yeah, it is pretty, yeah. I've read little <laughs> Invincible here and there, but I'm I really not. I'm kind of lost with some of the characters. Right. So... As far as a jumping on point, now it's the beginning of another arc and like a major event that happens. But the placement of the turncoatness in it, like you don't understand how long right. the, the two have had a relationship. If I would continue this. reading it, I would figure it out. I've never right. been a, you know, I can't say I've always never been a, not that big a jumping on point kind of guy. It's kind of right. like when I was a kid. You pick one off the rack, you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's stuff so, going on. You know, starts know. Yeah. You get around. Yes, the, you'll get around. It'll, it'll all come together. Right. Hey, honestly, you know, you give it like two or three issues, you're gonna know what's happening. So. That's really not, it's not that, that difficult. Yeah, I mean, no. it's not like you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not like you're, 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 you're. You have to be a physicist. <laughs> it or helps. Do you? Where's your lab coat? It's mm, a good question. Right. Now I would imagine it might be kind of difficult if your one of your eyeballs like goes in the opposite direction. Stop, sir! <laughs> stop. Then you might know what's going on. No. You should have read around the corner already. No, no. <laughs> you can see it coming <laughs> as long as it's coming from the right direction. That's I gotta stop too. It's bad. Okay, so uh, forever evil. Gideon. Yeah, keep it on. Dun dun. Kind of keeping on the brutality train here, right, man? Yeah, this one's a pretty, pretty crazy issue there too. If there was a theme, this really would be like a really brutal, like, episode. Honestly, yeah. I mean, you're talking about rip that eyeball, they're blowing up dudes in cars, the minus ones, like the oh, there's man, lady getting cut in half. half, lady's leg ripped off, dude's throat slit, guy's tooth ripped out of his head. Oh my yeah. god, things Lots. are only gonna get worse. Ross, go. Okay, so. Kind of leaving off from the end of the last Forever Evil, we had um, we had Nightwing hooked up to what I believe was called the Death Bomb from Apocalypse. Yes, Death Bomb from Apocalypse. And essentially, once it's armed, it can't be stopped until Nightwing's heart stops. Um, so, Lex Luthor's solution to the problem is make his heart stop. Right. Yeah. Uh, of course, that does Perfect not, sense. not make Batman a very happy camper. No, it doesn't. Um... So we kind of start into this book right in the middle of the fight with Batman and Lex Luthor. Uh, Lex is kind of debating on how he's going to beat Batman because no superpowers but Batman. Right. Uh, he decides that he was saving his electrical energy for the fight with the crime syndicate, but it's better to just use it here because uh, without Batman or with... Uh, what does he say without with a? Uh, In order to beat them, he has to have Batman as yeah. part of his plan. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't beat the crimes of the kids. Like an emotional tied together Batman right. or something. Yeah. He's got to be. He's got to be on on par. Otherwise, that we won't win. Yeah. And it's probably the closest I've ever seen. Bats look like he's actually going to kill somebody. Yeah. I'd say so too. And I, I think that might be also what motivates Luther to do what he's done is because I think he realizes that like Batman could be. The next en- enemy too. Mm. 
Uh, he tells Batman that he needs to get off, or else it'll be too late. Right. Uh, you see Lex Luthor kind of get up and go straight over to Nightwing and restart his heart. Yeah, he's kind of like unhooking him from the machine, and he's like, I have to get this adrenaline shot into his system or his heart won't start again. And then he tells him about, like, oh, yeah, I shoved this pill into his mouth that'll help slow down his vital signs and make it appear like he's hard to stop, but without this this adrenaline, it won't start again. Yeah. So, like, he tries to make it sound like it was his plan the whole time. Yeah, and I, I love this. It's skipping ahead a little bit, but you have Catwoman say, Did you, were you really planning on bringing him back? Yeah. And he's like, does it matter? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this issue and the Justice League after this that we're going to talk about both kind of, they almost even trick the reader into believing Lex Luthor is the hero. Right. They try pretty hard. Yeah. And, it, I mean, I can't honestly say whether or not he's... I, I'm sure he's still lying about everything, but... You know, anyway. on, on some level, I'm sure that part of it he probably is. But there was a time, even in the old universe, where he wasn't... Everything was about destroying everything. Yeah. You know, he was president for a minute, and while part of that was about destroying Superman. At this point, there's no Superman, so, you know. Yeah. Um, very shortly after, you have Batman kind of pulling Dick Grayson down from the trap. And it's really hilarious, because he kind of gives him a hug, right? Because he's glad he's alive. And Bizarro, who's only been alive for however long this has happened, like four days or something. Right. And says, oh, I must have to do this too. And goes over and gives Lex Luthor a hug, and you're like... <laughs> It's pretty funny. It looks like, get off me, monster. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. It's, it's Catwoman, pretty, it's Catwoman's cool. line of, you and Bizarro are so cute together, Lexi. I'm <laughs> just trying to get under his skin. Right. Yeah. It's good. We do have one more thing, though, um, where we see Manta and Captain Cold with uh, with our uh, oh, reverse gosh. Shazam. And he asks them if, you know, he basically like evaluates them. He's like, you have a cold gun. You have an oxygen tank and a helmet. Do you have any superpowers? And when they're like, no, no. he just phew, takes off. Right. Mm. We kind of learned that in the last issue, too, that Alexander Luther from their Earth is somehow able to steal powers from... When he kills the crime syndicate, he's able to absorb their powers. Yeah. But yeah, evidently, if you don't have a superpower, you're kind of beneath him. Yeah, he's he doesn't make him care, you know. <laughs> a little bit, yes. Holy he's, crap, he's like Mega Man. <laughs> he's like Mega Man. Damn it, Jay. You're welcome. <sighs> My chameleon circuit needs power. <laughs> Murder power. <laughs> Unlimited power. After uh, after Ken releasing Nightwing from his trap and all that good stuff, we have what appears to be Grid entering the room again. But in all actuality, Grid is out of commission, and it's Cyborg right behind him. Yeah, he dumps the body in, like, very horror-style, villain falls over dead style. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I kind of want to point this out. This is kind of one of those things where we're making it happen in this place just so that the story fits, because I'm pretty right. sure this actually happened in a totally different spot in the last issue. Of it did. League. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where, like, it's cooler to do it this way, so that's the way they went with. Yeah. But we can kind of accept that, because... Because it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. It works. Um, so you have Cyborg kind of rejoining the group, and he explains to everyone that all the rest of the Justice League is trapped in Firestorm, 
in that he's ran into Steve Trevor and he has the lasso of truth. And Steve Trevor was supposedly going to be able to pull Wonder Woman out because of his uh, love for her. His personal connection to Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. Their strong connection is supposed to let him be able to attach to her while inside Firestorm and then separate everybody. Because mm. one's broken, then all of them get released. And Firestorm's about to blow up. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. We'll learn more about that later. Right. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, and so you kind of skipped uh, the crime syndicate that we haven't seen a whole lot of yet, or Ultraman and Deathstorm, I should say. They're kind of all split up at this point. Right. And they saw the crazy lightning in the sky, and they're all pretty pretty scared, actually. Um, so the, they question Owlman if... Oh, there is one thing I wanted to bring up before you did that. Sorry. Um, there's a whole point where Cyborg's basically like, yeah, we're going to go save our friends. And Lex Luthor's like, oh, fine, you go save the rest of the Justice League, and I'll take care of the crime syndicate. <laughs> and Cyborg, Aaron Batman's like, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, it's kind of one of those, like, chest beat moments or whatever, but right at the end of it, Luthor's like, you know what? Good luck, Batman, and, like, offers his hand to shake it. And Batman's kind of like, pfft, handshaking. Yeah. But he does in the end, and while he leaves, we see that Luther palmed his ring, his kryptonite ring. I love it, because you know the shake hand thing isn't a very Lex Luthor thing. No, it's not. But he basically out-Batman to Batman in that situation. Yeah. I question, but okay. Maybe, my guess is you're going to find out it's all part of Batman's plan for him. Probably. Yep. It's possible. (laughs) Anyway, back with uh, back with the piece of the crime syndicate that's here. Uh, they're questioning Alman if they've seen their prisoner, who's the Alexander Luther, and Alman is with the dead Alfred, that was killed by a Johnny Storm in the last issue, right? No, uh, he was killed by Black Manta and that's Captain right. Cold. Yeah, but Black Manta's the one who did yeah, it. Yeah, Black Manta. Yeah, I don't know how I could have forgotten. Because I think but. even Captain Cold was going to be like. Well, now the foot's on the other shoe. You know, or say something, you know, stupid. But yeah, Alman just, just murdered him with yeah. no no questions, no answers, nothing. Manta, yeah. yeah, Manta yeah. just was very cold. Anyhow. Um, yeah, and so no one knows where he is, and as soon as they get done talking to Alman, they kind of turn around and they see uh, Alexander Luther and Superwoman. Team up style? And, what? Yep. And you find out throughout this whole issue, you've kind of had this thing where Superwoman, or throughout this whole series, where Superwoman has been telling Ultraman that she has his baby, and she's been telling Owlman that she has his baby. Well, now she's telling them that she actually has Alexander Luther's baby. Boom. Um, and that she's on his side, obviously. Right. It's my baby daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you get back to the story, and the story does a lot of skipping around, but you get back to Cyborg and Batman and Nightwing and Catwoman trying to free uh, the Justice League from Firestorm. And they, here's where you kind of learn that, that Steve Trevor had a connection to her, and that was how they were going to pull her out. Mm-hmm. But Steve Trevor got knocked unconscious, uh, so who's going to do it now? I don't know who suggested it, but... I think it was Martian Manhunter actually telepathically suggested it to to to, to, to who the cyborg yeah well the who's gonna connect to him Batman that's who yeah 
And of course, Batman goes like, "Oh, it's because we've uh, we've been friends for so long, we've known each other a long time. Yeah, we work together very very closely. Sometimes <laughs> we hang out on stuff." Yeah. And Catwoman's like, "Uh, really, mother? Yeah, just just you guys are good friends." And he's like, "Yeah, we're Batman friends." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. She's like, "Really, Batman friends? What are we?" And he's like, "Uh." acquaintances. I, I worked really close with her. <laughs> I'm the knight. <laughs> Smoke, bomb. Smoke bomb. Smoke bomb. And he walks over to clears. the... Clears. The none of that none last of that stuff last happened. Had no, the last bit didn't happen, but the part where she's like, really, you guys are friends? So Catwoman, judging Batman for having some kind of weird connection to Wonder Woman, that all happened. Smoke bomb? No. No smoke bomb, no bat friends, no. But he's very like, yeah, we're just friends. So, yeah, that part happened. Yeah, so evidently there's a relationship there that may have held over from the last universe. Maybe. I'm hoping that's what it is. But we'll, either, we'll yeah, see. either that or just something we haven't seen yet. Right. Yeah. It could have been from the, what's that, uh, just, just League Uni- or Just League Unlimited? Mm-hmm. Or that whole thing. Yeah, they had a thing a like that. Yep. Anyway, sorry, it's the same story. Go on, Ross. <laughs> uh, you, you skip back and you see Ultraman fighting Alexander Luther. Uh, and you also kind of see the reuniting of Lex Luthor and Bizarro with the rest of their, they call themselves the Injustice League. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you have a really crazy part, keeping on with the with the gore line, where they're kind of having, while they're fighting each other, Ultraman and Alexander Luthor, Alexander Luthor saying he's better than him. And Ultraman says, I'm still stronger, and he grabs him by the head and pushes his thumbs in the, his eyes. And he starts trying to gouge his eyes out. Yeah. Which causes Luther to, like, Alexander there to smash him into the side of a cliff. And he's like, I've always wanted to try to eat another one of your teammates. Mm-hmm. And right about that time... I'm sorry, Absorb, he actually says. Absorb. Wow. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, Ultraman shows up. Or Superwoman, I'm sorry. Superwoman, sorry. Yeah. Shows up and wraps her lasso of submission around Deathstorm. Yeah. And her lasso is definitely very, very different from Wonder Woman's lasso. Mm-hmm. Aside from it also looking like bob wire, uh-huh. which is kind of neat because like, I think Cassie's lasso looks very similar, although yeah. it's a different color. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more dangerous looking. Yeah. Far more brutal than some rope. Yeah. Yeah, but instead of causing him to tell the truth it uh would you say it dominates him yeah pretty kind much of, yeah she kind of she goes up to him and she's like what do you want and he's like I want to kill and then he kind of looks up at her and he's like I want no so beautiful I want whatever you want mm-hmm. cause before that he was actually threatening to turn her blood into tar yeah which would have been pretty with, awesome with his uh you know Firestorm Firestorm powers. powers. Mm. Yeah, just twice. (laughs) Yep, and uh, Superwoman's, what she wants is she wants him to die for Alexander Luther to absorb his powers. So shortly after Alexander Luther shows up, puts his hands around his head and starts absorbing his powers, which results in a crazy giant explosion. Yeah. And him crushing Deathstorm's head. Yeah. Um, 
and you, you kind of see, at least for me when I was reading this, you kind of forget that the rest of the Injustice League is kind of off in the distance still. Right. And it has a really good like flashback to that where Sinestro tells him to get behind him and puts up his... Oh, right, yeah, because he kills him from the explosion. We yeah. also have um, Luther and Alexander lock eyes for the first time. Yeah. And, like, they kind of see who each other are. Yep. Um, once again, we kind of do a skip back thing. And we skip back to uh, what's going on with the Justice League, and Firestorm in particular. And as they're kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do, we have the we've known each other a really long time line kind of show up here. Right. We have Nightwing kind of turn his head and say, do you, do you hear something? And right behind him, Owlman comes out. Right. Yeah. And kind of, he says, I've come for you. And, you know, kind of like a fight break out between them. Or what looks like it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. He's really, he's really more there like, you should be a partner. We should team up. We need to be a team. And Grayson's like, ah, you're crazy guy. And then he basically Batman's away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, here, here, here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that happens later, but... Yeah. It's basically the show. I, I skipped to the next page. Yeah. That's okay. No, okay. You're good. Um, so we can kind of go back to... Alexander Luther has obviously noticed the Injustice League at this point. And we see Deathstroke, Deathstroke's sole purpose in this book of getting punched in the face. Just once. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty nasty, though. I do like that... You know, out of everybody who's there, is Black Manta who just, like, jumps up and stabs him with Aquaman's Triton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, out of all of them, he and Captain Cole are the two that are playing with, like, the least amount of power in their deck. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, they're kind of trying to figure out what he said. And he said Shazam backwards, which I guess would be Mazaz. Yeah. Um, part of Lex Luthor's plan that we see a little bit later. Um... Uh, as they're fighting, uh, we see Alexander Luther go over to Lex and punch him in the face. And kind of as we've seen from previous issues, that does not fly with Bizarro very well. Oh, no. He's, he's almost like a guard dog, almost, for, with, with Lex. Luther? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Bizarro goes and attacks Alexander Luther Jr. And has an awesome scene shooting his fire breath at yeah. Like, straight in his face. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, at that, yeah. At that point, Alexander Luther also was like, oh, you have powers. Um, unfortunately, Bizarro does not last very long, and uh, Alexander Luther kind of just, like, pummels him to the ground and punches him straight through his chest. Yeah, he punches a hole right through him. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty hardcore. And yeah. you kind of see... Like the first sense of almost caring in Lex Luthor, and he he flies towards him, yelling no. Yeah, it, it's very. Yeah, uh, yeah. He basically killed him, and all of a sudden Lex is like sort of human for a second. Yeah, he goes over next to Bizarro, and Bizarro's trying to say he's sorry, and yeah, it's it's a very. This part actually reminded me a lot of a movie type thing. Right. Um, and you have this awesome line at the bottom where Captain Cold's trying to get Lex Luthor to go because uh, they need to they need to get out of there. Right. And he's like he was just a monster anyway, talking about Bizarro. And Lex Luthor's like, no, but he was my monster. And it's kind of like a 
Yeah. I think he finally takes ownership of him. Yeah. So, um, we kind of skip back and we and we see uh, Alexander Luther flying off with Superwoman, kind of actually flying not off, more towards our people. And Lex Luthor has to come up with a plan really quick. And he talks to Sinestro and Black Adam. And he's like, isn't... He, he called down lightning. You can call down lightning. And Black Adam, for some reason, still has his jaw broken. Yeah, uh, yeah, it got broken by uh, Ultraman, like, on issue three or four. I think it's actually issue, like, two. one or two. two? Yeah. Man, yeah. maybe two. But I think that... I, I, we, we haven't really been over this with him yet, I'm, but I'm pretty sure... At this point, Black Adam can't change back into anybody because he's not anybody but Black Adam. I'm yeah. pretty sure once he was revived from the pile of dust, that he doesn't have a human host. It's, so I don't think he can turn into anything, and if he tries, I think he'll turn into a pile of dust. Yeah. And then who's going to say the words? Yep. Some other guy doing a, a mystic chant, but the mystic chant guy's dead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go on. Um, and of course, in the middle of that fight, we kind of skip back to our Owlman and Nightwing scene. And right. we have all the stuff that we talked about earlier with Owlman being like, no, I want, I want us to be a team again, and I'm here for you. And, and it's kind of a weird, weird Yeah, it thing. is a little weird. No, I mean, it, it's it's obvious that what it, however Owlman's life unfolded, Dick Grayson replaced his son, I think. And I think that was the only thing that Thomas ever did that was good over there was be with Grayson. Grant Grayson played out different than he did in our world. But nevertheless, he was still good. It was actually kind of funny, because they talk about this, that mm -hmm. he was a Talon right. in their world. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, the Talons weren't evil over there. So, yeah, it, 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 I think it makes her a different badger story with him, but I think ultimately he he really just could, really wanted Grayson to be his sidekick again, regardless of which Grayson it was. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads us to the point where he's Batman away! Yeah. So he's Alamance. So Batman away! <laughs> yep. Um, we get back to the fight. Now we have Alexander Luther. There was one thing before that, um, oh, okay. where to to, to kind of counter the broken jaw that Shazam or the Black Adam has, Sinestro rigs up kind of like a an energy power harness for his chin, so that he can speak again. Yeah, and so like Lex kind of gives Sinestro the lightning rod, and then we kind of get to where you're at now. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so they're in the fight, and you have. You have Alexander Luther kind of uh, not put Sinestro up at the right level. He kind of goes up to him. He's like, "Oh, you're just a ring bearer. You know, you don't actually have any powers." Right. Yeah, because he can't steal anything from him. But he's actually using Bizarro's uh, flame breath. breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. And uh, in ice beams as well. Yeah, a little bit later, it looks like. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, but Sinestro's basically like. You, you think I don't have any powers? Well, let me show you a few things. Yeah, he seemed to know so little, and then he shoves the lightning rod that Lex Luthor gave to him straight into his chest. Right. Um, and you proceed, uh, you, you, you do see Alexander Luthor use the ice beams out of his eyes, too, there. Right. Um, and Black Adam calls down Shazam in the attempts to change Alexander Luthor back. And it doesn't change him back, but it does do some pretty serious damage to yeah. pretty much everyone involved. Yeah, especially Superwoman, who was trying to, like, kill Black Adam while Sinestro was fighting against him. Mm. There was... Well, I'll talk about this later. It's fine. 
<laughs> um, you have this awesome, yeah, after that, it's kind of like their plan failed. And you see Lex Luthor and Captain Cold down at the bottom. Captain Cold's like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alexander's like, is this the best you had? Is yeah. this everything? And he's just laughing at them. Lightning, that's it? And so Alexander goes after Lex. Yep. And he says, I knew who you were as soon as we, as soon as we locked eyes or something like that. And he's basically telling him, like, I can't believe how weak you are in this world. Yeah. As he's, like, beating him up. Um, and he's, like, explaining how you're so weak compared to me. And he, he says, I'm better than you, straight to Lex Luthor. Right. And we all know kind of how well that flies usually with Lex Luthor. Not very good. Um, and he, he says something a little bit surprising. He says, maybe you're right. Maybe you are stronger than me. And he says... Uh, he says, oh, I, about all those things, but I am still you, and I have your voice. And right about that time, he says, Mazaz. And he calls down the crazy lightning and turns Alexander Luther basically back into hobo Alexander Luther. Right. Scrawny, skinny, powerless Luther. With an iron rod sticking out of his chest. Yep. And just to make sure he doesn't say anything else, Lex kind of like makes a knife shoot out of his arm and stabs him yeah he starts he starts shanking him like just cutting him up and he's like yeah you might have been stronger alexander but remember i'm smarter yeah and unfortunately for lex though the moment they kind of did forget about someone that was pushed aside earlier and ultraman comes back by throwing a tree at lex luther (laughs) straight up hits him with a surprise tree (laughs) yeah Surprise, classic. And you do have Lex Luthor have the classic villain uh, talk of, "Oh, I knew, I knew you were gonna show up, and so I, in the last moments at Wayne Tech, I produced these solar beams because sunlight is your weakness." And the bad news for him is, as soon as he tells Ultraman, he doesn't respond like most heroes and just burns the weapons off of him with his heat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. He told him, told him, "I've got something to destroy you. Here it is," and he breaks it. But there's something that Ultraman forgot, too. And that's Black Adam and Sinestro kind of snuck off after their big fight. And you discover that they are actually moving the moon back from out of the front of the sun. So once again, there's sunlight coming down. And uh, we go back to our, our Justice League, and they're all being freed from Firestorm at roughly the same, same time. time. yeah. Um, and in the sunlight... Ultraman is just like a weakling. He can't. He can't do anything. He, powerless. Yeah. Like say, would it be like uh, Superman's red? No. Or... Uh, it's more like Superman's kryptonite. Oh. Uh, where's kryptonite for him? Powers. Yeah. Superman powers yeah. him. So the sun is the opposite. So it's just like with Superman's around, even he's with just... kryptonite, he turns into a complete sissy. Except that he's surrounded by the entire sun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to know that the sun doesn't kill him, though. No. It just weakens weakens him. And so you have Ultraman at his lowest point, where he no longer has any of his powers and and any strength at all, and he's begging Luther to kill him. And Luther just tells him, no, I'm not going to do it. And uh, this part, for me at least, 
first time I read it, it was like, oh, he's doing the hero thing. And I'm like, no, he's doing, like, the torture villain thing there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have probably the one of the craziest scenes of this book show up. And as Luther's walking away, he hears a voice, and Atomica pops up out of nowhere looking for Johnny Quick. And Luther walks up to her, and he's like, Oh, he's dead already, and you, you started all of this Atomica, and I'm ending it. And straight up stomps her. Yep. Important to note that she's still micro-sized, and her shrinking belt is broken. Yep. So she's a little person, and not like a small child, <laughs> atom size. Straight up yeah, stomps him like a bug. Right. Oh my god, man. Yeah. yeah. She was a spider, and she... Not the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. And then uh, we we go back to the Justice League, and it's been a while since we've seen this, but Atomica had put kryptonite in Superman's head. Yes. And we hadn't really seen anything of that because they were all trapped inside fire firestorms since then. And so upon pulling them out, they're all kind of freaking out of Superman's well, what are we going to do? He's still kryptonite poisoned and basically like green dying. Yeah. And Luther shows up and he says, I can help Superman. Also kind of weird. Yeah. And you, uh, you get to a scene where you see Luther have a, the little piece of kryptonite and tweezers and Superman's kind of getting up off the off like the operating table and he's like, what in the world's going on? And uh Luther looks at him and he says, I just saved your life. And Superman does also kind of have the, like, the what are you doing here look on his right. face. Oh yeah, it's complete shock. Um, no, no doubt about that. And you have kind of like a nice epilogue for the whole series. Yeah. Uh, and this was, uh, this was something I was going to say something about earlier, but um, it doesn't really pertain to it until I think the end here. Oh, okay. Which is like, Sinestro and Black Adam, surprisingly enough, have like started up a strange kind of friendship. Yeah. Because Sinestro's been asking him about Kandak and, like, how he rules his people. And so I think, like, they see each other. They or at least lot, They have a lot in common. Yeah. Try to yeah, rule their people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or at least Sinestro sees him, like, a similar kind of spirit. Like an equal person to him, yeah. And even when they were fighting and he had him, like, call down the lightning, he, he mentions, like, do it for Kandak before he calls down the lightning. Oh, so, like, that's right, I yes. didn't even notice that actually. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, at the end here, when uh, we get into the epilogue, those two also take off together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's kind of a funny thing because you have Luther explaining to them, he's like, well, we just saved the earth. I can wipe all of your slates clean. And yeah. you have. At this point, because we saved the earth, they're willing to forgive all your crimes. Yeah. And both of them are like, <laughs> so what? And off they fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, like, they're so powerful. I don't think that. It just they, isn't important to them. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, like whatever. Man's law. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. And then you have, uh, well, you assume Catwoman and Black Man kind of did the Batman escape there and yeah. just disappeared. Because yeah, you have Captain Cold, and he's like, "Man, I wish I could fly. Don't you, Black Man?" And, and he, he like, turns around, and he's not even there no anymore. Man, yeah. Yeah. He's the only one on the rooftop. Yep. With Luther, of course. Yep. Or what Black Mana does is pretty cool, though. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, because yeah, yeah. we find out later, what, he, he made it down to the harbor, and he he wound up assaulting the guy at the harbor, but he didn't kill him. Maybe, uh, 
Yeah. And he wants to give him back Aquaman's trident. He tells him to tell Aquaman, I'm glad you're not dead. I presume because he wants to kill him. Himself. So then he shows yeah. up. At I, I would guess so too. I mean, if you don't know Black Man at all, Black Man pretty much just kills anything he comes into contact with. Excuse me. And he especially has a great And he left this guy alive. Well, he was one of the big wild cards at the beginning of this, too, because he was more upset that. Aquaman's no, death was robbed from the story than anything. Right. Okay. The book is probably a two and a half. I just hate him. That was the, okay. the start of it. But that's I why he like joined with Luther. He's, he's like, moments. Yeah. Yeah. Syndicate took the one thing I, monster. The one right. thing I lived for away yeah. from me. Cool. He's like, now I live yeah, to destroy them. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so we continue the epilogue with uh, Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, we have them. Kind of, I'm assuming they're back in Gotham at this point. It kind of looks that way, yeah. And uh, Catwoman's like, well, where do we go from here? And Batman's, Batman's telling her a similar thing to Lex Luthor of, of we can be, you can be a hero now. You don't, you don't have to be a criminal at all anymore. And Catwoman's like, is that really all? Is that all I can be? And, and Batman apologizes and says, I'm sorry. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all we can be. Yeah, because that's what she. I think she was really asking, is that all we can be together? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's very. That's very much what it is. And there's a little nod at the end of this too to where Grayson's gonna go next. Yeah, because Grayson's in there with him in the Batcave, and he's like, I'm not gonna hide, Batman. Yeah, and Batman says something around the lines of, "It's I'm not. You're not hiding. I'm assigning you to the most dangerous mission you've ever." Had. Dun dun dun. And then we go back to Lex Luthor. Yep. Of course. Who is writing a check to Deathstroke. Yeah. Well, someone's got to pay the guy. Yeah, he basically bought Deathstroke services away from the crime syndicate, so. Yep. So he gets punched in the face. Yep. Well, perfect. How many people get punched in the face by, you know, a guy like that and live, though? Evil Superman? Not very many, Rob. For, for $250,000, too. Yeah. It's pretty nice. He's a cheap man. That's, that's yeah. a good chunk of change. And in the process of writing the check, uh, you see kind of a young kid walk into the room with Lex Luthor. And... Oh, uh, before that, sorry. You have kind of Lex Luthor's secretary get in, come in on his intercom, and says, uh, Mr. Luthor, the kid is here. And and he shows up, and the kid is wearing a Court Industries shirt with the Blue Beetle sig- like symbol on, on it. Yeah. yeah. And you have this crazy meeting with Ted Cord in the new universe and, and Lex, Lex Luthor. Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> and basically Ted's like, well, after my father died, when he was talking to you, like, I can't run the business and go to school and take care of mom and everything, so I think we're going to decide to sell. Mm-hmm. And Lex basically is like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I'll help you make this work, but the business should stay in your family, mm. which is crazy because he pretty much killed his dad. Yeah. yeah. Not only did he kill him. It was forcing him to sell. Yeah. He, he basically was like, well, if you don't sell, I'm going to like ruin everything in your life, including getting your son addicted to drugs and then killing him. Right. Yeah. 
And so now he's like, eh, no, you can help me out. I totally I'll forgot about that, actually. Right? It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. This is another one of those moments where you're kind of like, is he actually being like a genuine person, or is this all part of Lex Luthor's scheme? Super to... evil plan to destroy Superman? Yeah, It's kind of hard to say, yeah. Cause yeah. He... So the whole thing starts with a cord and ends with a cord. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he even uh, even tells him, like, if you have problems learning how to do this job, you, know, you call me and I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. And Ted kind of ends it with being like, it's true what they say about you. You're really a good You're guy. You're one of the good ones, yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, crazy. And he skipped forward to the Justice League, kind of trying to rebuild after. Yeah, they're they're picking up the remains of the Watchtower, mm. and we wound up finding out that there's no traces of animal, uh, vibe or Element Woman. Yeah, but everybody else that was a part of the Justice League America and the Justice League, <laughs> that would be snapping fingers at me. Vibe's, <laughs> vibe's awesome. So was Element Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just missed the best vibe when he was a break dancer that had. <laughs> hey, that was not the best vibe. Earthquake powers. <laughs> That's why you get the shake and the snaps. Because, yeah, of, that. because of the old vibe? Yes. <laughs> I liked I liked old vibe too. <laughs> no, no one liked old vibe, really. <laughs> like him as a joke. Yes. In hindsight. There we go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When he did the booty quick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Let's go. We find out that the three major parts of the crime syndicate are actually still alive and still in our Earth. Uh, you have Alman, who's still out being Alman, like yeah. nothing really holding him back. You have, Su- uh, you have Ultraman, and what I'm assuming is like a solar-powered room to keep him. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They say that all he's done since he was captured is cry. Yeah. Ultraman will stop stopping since he's been caught. And you have Superwoman, who I'm also assuming is somehow depowered in whatever room she's in. Yeah, they've got her tied up in a, like, in some type of girl. She's in some type of jail. And basically, Wonder Woman's like, my last one doesn't work on her. She'd, maybe she'll help us and tell us what the evil thing in the other universe was about. Yeah. And she's like, you can all go to hell. Yeah, yeah, she's sitting there, she's smiling, and Wonder Woman's like, what are you smiling about? And she's like, the baby kicked. Oh, right. And earlier, she made some comment of how her baby was, like, going to be the end of the world. Right. Yeah. Crazy Antichrist thing. Then we got the final, you know, a couple more final, final pages of the epilogue, (laughs) where we go back to LexCore, and they're working on a new clone. And Um, he's like, well, how long do you think it'll take to get... And back to full, uh, to, per- to uh, like full, to perfection. There we go. Take the finisher, yeah. And they're like, "Well, it'll take another ten years." And he's like, Five. Five more years." Well, if he wants to duplicate Superman. It'll take ten. Yeah. Right. He, he says, "I want him. I want him right back where he was." And that would be another five, five years. Because yeah. yeah. he, he wants to have his Bizarro back. Yeah. Bizarro yeah. Back, which yeah. is weird too, a little bit. A half cooked Superman. Yeah. Mm. Well, does he know? Full cook Superman is still Bizarro. Did you say, wasn't Bizarro made in like a couple of weeks or something? Or well, the old, original old, one. Old there's there's a lot of weird. And there's different things with the time and. Doesn't count, Jay. Dang and, it! <laughs> yeah, evidently Bizarro is one of the things that didn't make it through into the New Fifty Two history. Not not the original, at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Just you know, I'm okay with. I like New Bizarro, so. <laughs> 
Okay, Ross. Anyway, we uh, find out, too, that Lex has discovered something very important by using the power of the Internet. <laughs> the Internet? Well, there's another thing, too, and I think this will be important later, which is that Lex reaches out to his sister. Oh, oh right. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. And I, th- I think they talk about it more in Justice League. They might. He, uh, he tells the story of... Uh, Not being able to save her because she had some type of sickness, and he tried to... He, first he, time he ever failed was he couldn't save his sister. Yeah, he tells everybody that he didn't bother. And, and in but reality, yeah, but, he tried, and he couldn't And he failed, it. yeah. And he saw failure as too much, so he never would admit to it. But now with Bizarro, he kind of... He sees failure makes you stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, with the power of the internet, he does make a discovery. He discovers that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Dun dun dun! The internet has all kinds of things on it, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Nick Cage is a vampire. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was the second thing he figured out. Yeah, you know. My God, the picture looks identical. <laughs> this dude time traveled. Oh my God! Be surprised. Some of those time travel videos are crazy. <laughs> And you, uh, once again, you get back to the Justice League, and they're trying to figure out what the tear in the sky was over in the other universe. And they only have one one option they think it could be, and that's Dark Side. Awesome. Yeah. But we have somebody talking to whoever this is. Well, then we figured we figured out earlier that, that apparently Dark Side's world. Well, I think we're still kind of like I. I'm pretty sure that that's the case, hmm. but I don't think they've. Actually, it? come out and confirmed okay. that Darkseid's world is a, a singularity, singularity? Yeah. but I'm pretty sure it is. Don't but they? They don't know that though. Yeah, because don't doesn't Earth Two has Earth apocalypse has attacks. Apocalypse, Earth Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so, the same apocalypse, so yeah. it's not a different one. So exactly. So it is a singularity because Darkseid doesn't actually attack Earth Two. His no, minions did. Minions yeah. Darkseid actually attacked. Earth Our one, yeah. but the Justice League doesn't know. They don't know the singularity. Yeah. Anyway, so they assume it's they, they assume it's dark side. side coming for, for the Justice League again. But there's somebody else who's, I assume, making all these red streaks. Which I wonder if there's going to be another speedster, and mm. I don't know a whole lot about this character, but I do know he had a bunch of people that were like his servants too. Right. So I wonder if that's who's talking to him. About draining all the energy out of this world. We turned the page and we found out that it was the anti-monitor that was actually... Dun dun dun... The giant red lightning strike in the sky is the anti-monitor! Whoa! Yes. I think the anti-monitor exists outside of... I think think he's a singularity as well. he's a singularity also. But basically he's collecting power to go take out Darkseid is what he says. Mm. So if the animator is going to go eat Darkseid, then what's going to stop him? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes me wonder if we're going to have crazy Darkseid team up, too. You know, maybe. Cause I, he... I think if they're going to team up two Lex Luthor and Darkseid together, it makes sense. Yeah. So, Nolan hopes that it, ruins, that it ends this universe and brings back the old universe. Yeah, the 52 will, will end and we will have a return to the original DCU, which I I unfortunately I don't think, think that that's the, no, not going to happen. I kind of think well, this is just a new theory of mine. Okay. So I think with Future's End, that the Anti Monitor showing up will actually cause the Earth Two Earth One war, where Earth Two's people are being oh. jammed into our reality, 
and it's the war that they talk about a ton in Futures oh, End. That's right, yeah. That's crazy. But we never okay. see. And so I'm kind of wondering if this other weekly book that was supposed to be sanctioned around Earth 2. Yeah. yeah. Earth 2, The World's End. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, the, the big thing with the Animonitor originally, if I remember right, was combining Earth 2 and Earth 1 so you didn't have the JSA off on the parallel universe. Right. It's, that would be a crazy choice. Because yeah. I think Earth 2 is actually doing okay. I don't know if they threw away the book. I think it just become the JSA or stay Earth 2 and be a JSA in our world. It's possible. I'd be okay with that. It'd be all right. I like that we're finally getting to big, like, universe stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Of course, yeah. we might also kill Barry Allen and get Wally West back. <laughs> Maybe no. have a Wally West, right? Oh, yeah, there you go. Boom. He could be their new Flash. Maybe we'll see Wally West die, they and Barry Allen will be like, Dang it! I barely knew ye. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Oh, Rob's scorebook go. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a four. Like, uh, this this paid off really well. All right. Like, you know, the, the whole Trinity War sliding into this, I was completely, like, even on top of it, I was completely lost, like, that this was going to be, like, a two big event thing. That became something that's that's huge in DC. So, four. Jay, I'm actually going to give it a five for this one. It's nice. I like this one a lot. It's really good. Yeah, it's good good story, good art, good. Wolverine was not in this book. You realize that? Yes, I'm aware of this. <laughs> Wolverine's not the seller though. If Jubes and X23 was in there, he'd probably pulled a six. <laughs> no, five. that would have been an eight. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's beyond, you broke <laughs> the scale. Your scale over there doesn't doesn't work. You can only go as high as five. Right. Let's name the show. My scale goes beyond. It's like no. when, like in the cartoons, you saw the thermometer and it got really hot and it would yeah, just shoot well, out the top. Man, yes. The, 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 the that's one, my the, scale. The scale I wanted to use also had colors on it, but no one wanted to use that. <laughs> I'm going to give it a rating of orange. Mm, it's the best one. Right? It wins everything. Ah, Curses has food on it. Mike <laughs> score, go. I'll give it a four, even with the delay. All right. I don't want to go back and read the whole thing together again. Right. It's going to be a good read, so give it a four, solid four. Mr. Ross? I'll give it a four and a half. It is really, really good. Like I said, Forever Evil is a whole, almost made my list of top five, like, the best stories I've read. Nice. Really quick, yeah. I wanted to point out, on previous, before New 52, the Lex Luthor that was a good guy from their universe yeah. was actually Alexander Luthor Jr. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So Superwoman has Alexander Luthor Jr. Maybe it's Zion it, Ross. World. Maybe yep. he'll be a hero? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? We'll, we'll have a little Jerry Curl afro. Well, yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. Curtis, please not food. Go. Forever Evil, I'll give it... <clears throat> Excuse me. Forever Evil, I'll probably give it a... Gosh. I hate Lex Luthor. Two, two and a half. Seriously? Yeah. For an overall story arc? Yeah. Oh, no, man. for the book. The overall oh. story arc is probably a three, but... Okay. All the right. book is probably a two and a half. I just hate him. Okay. But I did like the Frankenstein-esque... Uh, moments yeah where, bizarro where he's my monster right i kind of like that that's pretty cool so yeah that's pretty good two and a half all right 
Uh, I'll give it a four also. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was good. Like, it's, as far as series are concerned. it's I, I don't know if it would dwarf Blackest Night or not, but man, it's really good. Like, it's it's a really good story. It's close close to par, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, yeah I agree. Close, close to par. Huge. Awesome. Rob? Justice League 30? I, I next one will be Justice League 30, which is like the capper on top of... If the epilogue wasn't enough, a whole other book of epilogue. Yeah, an epilogue Ooh. of an epilogue, which is also a prologue. Boom! I think this which actually would be a, a, more of a prologue. So, <laughs> that works out well. But uh, we open it up with like a... Let's say like a video, gra- a video image of the Justice League coming together. And a voice kind of talking off screen. Talking about how they came together because they thought no one could beat them if they were all together. Well, we found out that there's some of them... They're just humans, and if you could, if you can make a crack, you can shatter it. And they kind of like smash the image on the screen by poking through Batman. And we kind of pull the picture back really quick. That just mm-hmm. proves how dumb these people are. Right? Yeah. Well, it's just it's just like when Green Arrow or Green Lantern showed up, and he was like, "Yeah, oh, you're just a dude." Yeah. And even with even when the Flash gets there, he's just like, "Yeah, he's just a guy in a bat suit." Yeah. But. um... We pull back to reveal this group of people sitting around a table that says the Secret Society of Supervillains. And it's like um, Dr. Psycho and the Tattooed Man and the Fisher and possibly Clayface and... Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Alchemy Man. I can't oh, remember her name now, though. Alchemist. Oh, it's Killer Frost. Is it Killer Frost? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and Killer Frost, and they're all like, "Today is going to be the death of the Justice League," and the wall explodes, and we got Batman. Okay, we're gonna go left to right. So <laughs> we got Cyborg, then Captain Marvel, Aquaman, Batman, Lex Luthor, Wonder Woman, and Captain Cold, and they're very much like we're the Justice League. Yeah. And we got uh, Cyborg being like, uh, we we got uh, Shazam. We got Shazam kind of hovering in the background, and he's just like wide-eyed, and he's like, I cannot believe somebody actually carved into the table Secret Society of Supervillains. Yep, I love Cyborg's reaction. Yeah, and Cyborg's like, I'm my bets on Doctor Alchemy. Yep. (laughs) And like Lex Luthor is kind of taking the lead role of it, and he's all like, You're all under arrest by the name of the Justice League. And one of them's like, I suggest you surrender. <laughs> and then we go back four days earlier before this version of the Justice League shows up. And we've got, you know, the Daily Planet. And uh, I'm really surprised, actually, because I thought they were really turning away from Perry White in all the early stories of Superman. They were. And yet we have Perry White back now. He's like the editor-in-chief. And, you know, they got this one guy in the office, and he's, like, reading the paper about how, with the headline of Lex Luthor saves the world, going like, I don't know. I thought this Lex Luthor guy wasn't so bad, and like everyone throws their paper at him. As if you've lived in Metropolis for you know Lex Luthor is bad. Yeah. Well, you should. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. That's kind of funny to me because in previous universes, or the previous universe, I should say. Yes. Some people thought Lex Luthor was bad, but some people just thought he was great. Like no one. Yeah. Well, he, he did become the president after all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he swings back and forth quite a lot as as a hero. And almost coming off as, or I'm sorry, as a villain, but almost coming off as a hero. Mm. 
I mean, he's almost always doing it to it's try tricky. to... tricky. Yeah. yeah, to frame Superman, but, like... For my dastardly pen to kill Superman. Yeah. I take I take all of your plans and make it into a super plan, and then hang it on <laughs> Superman. But your plans stink. Okay. I said that once. Good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, from there, we we actually catch up with uh, Clark Kent, and he's on the phone with Bruce Wayne, which I thought this was actually pretty cool. Right. But he's basically like saying, you know, I have super hearing, and I've always had my hearing set to trigger certain words because otherwise I you know I have to filter out everything and so one of my keywords is Lex Luthor and everyone's talking about him and so all the time I'm being barraged with Lex Luthor this with Lex Luthor that and Bruce Wayne's basically like yeah I know you know Lucius Fox even said that we should probably think about merging with him again or doing some kind of new plan with him which I guess Lucius was really big on keeping separate from from, Luther? yeah. from Luthor's industry Lucius is a smart man. It's important to know. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. At, at times. Lucius Fox, he's uh, Batman's uh, science guy. Like he needs one. Mm. Well, I think in this world he just wears the, the, the Whatever, Wayne tech. Rob, go on. Because Batman makes his own batarangs. I'll show you batarangs. Anyway. Right there, see? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, like, Clark's Clark's kind of sick of it. Like he's he knows that this is like some kind of front that Luther right. can't possibly be honest about it. And Luther's actually coming across really legit and not being like, oh yes, I saved the world, and instead being like, well, I may have done some good things, but you were all the real heroes, the firefighters and the policemen that were out there doing stuff. It reminds me of like when presidents give speeches, actually, because mm-hmm. they're all full of lies. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. Partially. And he basically, like, is praising that he doesn't have special powers to save the day, but he's also praising the other people that, you know, were policemen and firefighters that don't have powers as well. Right. So he's kind of... legit, I guess. He's kind of thumbing his nose at them while still being, like... Making himself look better by making other people look better. Yeah. yeah there you go. And from there, we actually kind of see other people are watching this, including what looks like the Doom Patrol... With Element Woman. Element Woman on the side, yeah. And a character we haven't seen since the Ravengers days. Um, but if you look closely in the background, you can see that they're in one of Argus's warehouses. Yeah. He's got the Argus eye. So, but they're really careful to shade out who they all are. Even Element Woman, which you kind of recognize. Yeah, for that matter, I guess it could, it could not actually be Element Woman. It's true. They're being pretty tricky with how they... I, I imagine it is. So. Yeah, it makes sense if it was. Of course, and we also were introduced to the Doom Patrol during Forever Evil. Yep. So we might actually see more of them. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, I've said this before, but I, I don't personally know a whole lot about the Doom Patrol, but it makes you wonder if this, if the Doom Patrol right now is just the chief getting random people together to go do stuff. It's not. It's just part of his oh. plan and not part of. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible that they've actually broken into Argus and they were stealing something too. Yeah, because the chief is uh, a bit shady. Yeah, to say the least. He's like a dirty Professor X. Wait, Professor X is dirty, huh? Well, he's, he's, so he's just like Professor X. <laughs> he's he's a lot worse than the Professor X, I think. I'll just say, what about Cassandra? Everyone forgets about her. Well, he doesn't have the telekinesis powers, though. Really, yeah. I don't think. No, he just manipulates people to do what he wants. Yeah. But, um, so then we flash over to Wonder Woman, and 
she is, she's looking for, okay, there's a little part I missed there, I'm sorry, mm-hmm, where we kind of find out that Lex is doing all these press conferences and everything, but nobody really knows where Lex is at right now. Right. He's, he's kind of been playing the shell game where he's just not on the planet, and so Bruce has been kind of looking for her, Superman's been kind of looking for him, so Wonder Woman is like interrogating this person. And uh, she's looking for where Lex is at, and when they finally pull back, we find out it's Metallo that she's beating the crap, beating crap out of. Yeah. yeah, pretty well ruling. And she's uh, like demanding that he tells her where he's at, and like basically tells him that she's going to shove her sword into his throat if he doesn't tell him. And then we reveal that the Flash is there, and he's like kind of doing crowd control, catching bullets, mm. which I didn't notice at first. But and he has this very like Barry Allen. Wally West. Or Wally West kind of moments where he's like, oh, yeah, she's just joking about stabbing you in the throat. Like, really are you talking about stabbing in the throat? You should do that. Yeah. Like, he comes off really, like, like Wally. Which I guess, I guess Barry did have a couple moments like that, but for the most part, he was a pretty, just, like, serious. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty straight-laced, yeah. This, the, it's very much a mix of the two of them in this way, way he's written in this book. Mm. Yeah. But she's, like, questioning him as she, like, stomps the heck out of him. And basically, it sounds like... I don't know if he thought Lex was promising him kryptonite or what, but like he seems to be like thinking somebody owes him that. Mm-hmm. But we kind of flash over from there to Central City, where um, Captain Cold. Cold is talking to his parole, parole officer, officer. Yeah. The parole officer of the roads. Yeah, apparently one guy gets all of them. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> That's a heck of a job. All right. Yeah, as long as, as long as he's doing well, maybe there's only one parole officer. Century City. That would be odd for the entire city to have one mob. <laughs> I think it's All more right. likely that you've got one guy who takes care of the supervillains, and then the other guys that take care of everybody else. Maybe. He's got be. his own name tag. Yeah, that could Special be what it is. Go on. Uh, anyhow, basically he's like advising him to make sure he stays away from the other rogues, and that this pardon that's coming down, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty clear. Because there's no way that anybody could testify that you weren't a hero during this time of crisis. And unless the Flash wants to take his mask off and, like... Say who he is. Say who he is. He's not going to be able to testify in court against you. So, you know, keep your nose clean, basically. And, like, as he's talking to him about not having contact with the rogues, we kind of flash over and see that they were, like, celebrating the night before and, like, tearing up a bar, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Partying. But yeah, basically, he's like, you know, as long as you keep your nose clean, you're going to come out of this with a clean record. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the rogues have really changed in Century City. Or Century. Just, just Central. Central. Central City. Just the one. Well, Everyone else is basically still the same. They're still out partying it up. So. Yeah, but they all are probably going to get their own clearance because uh, they, they wound up saving the city. So. Right. No, yeah. They're- I mean, as far as any of that goes. So, yeah, in the end... They all kind of did, but I mean, as far as getting cleaned up, he seems to be the only one getting any recognition for the actual part in the stuff. And maybe the rest of them will, too, I guess. I, I think it's mainly because of his ties to Lex Luthor at this point. Right, which makes yeah. sense. Okay. So, from there, we basically go back to the Batcave, and we find out that there's all sorts of prisoners that have escaped during this whole time. And so there's a whole handful of them that are unaccounted for. And so kind of the, the new task for the Justice League is to round up these villains and take them out. And, like, about halfway through it, um, what was it? Like, I think it's uh, Wonder Woman says, uh, you know, we found the location of all these characters 
everybody except for Lex Luthor. And Batman says, he's an insect. And bats eat insects. And, like, the Flash runs up to him and, like, steps on his shoulder. And he's like, oh, yeah, do you have, like, a little black butt of, like, bat insults? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I just checked. No one, there's no book. So it was, like, very, once again, really Wally West. Mm. But whatever. From there, the rest of the Justice League kind of shows up. And they wind up getting a message to, uh, or they, they get this uh, little black box to, like, teleport them. Mm. And they went teleporting to a new watchtower that's set up on the opposite side of the Earth. From where the original watchtower was. Yeah. Yeah. And so once they get there, they find Lex Luthor, and he's got, like, champagnes, and he's all, Welcome to the new uh, new watchtower. And he, like, tries to pour a glass for Superman. And Superman's like, I don't ever drink champagne. Never will on duty. Mm. And so he's like, oh, right, straight to business. And we kind of flash over, and we see that Shazam's there. And he's like, do you guys have any, like, soda pop or anything? Because, like, this stuff... Nasty. Yeah. I love the look on they made on his face too. It's, yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty awesome. And so like Shazam kinda comes over and basically what we find out is that Lex Luthor's recreated the watchtower for them and he's basically like I should be a part of the Justice League now. I helped save the world. And I think we need more power for whatever this is coming, so I brought Shazam. Because it makes sense that we'd be we'd be able to power this up even further. And basically, like, the rest of them are like, yeah, I don't think so. And he's like, well, you can you can even have Wonder Woman put her lasso of truth around my neck if you like. And it's like Flash, who's like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe you should go around his heads. Because <laughs> he was just there with her, like, threatening to stab Metallo in the throat, so. Uh, but she, uh, she puts the lasso around him, and so they're questioning him about why he wants to do this. And he basically comes off as very, like, self-centered. Like, that he's doing this basically because it makes him feel good. Yeah, that he, he's... Says, he says, I'm an egomaniac. Yeah. And what better way to, like, boost my ego than saving the Earth again? And that's his big thing, is he wants to save the world again. And so, like, you kind of have some moments there with Cyborg and uh, Shazam as well. But, like, for the most part, he's coming off as, as legit about his motives. But legit in a... Villain kind of he way. sounds like Lex Luthor. Yeah, in a very like conceited yeah. way. But it's possible that it's like a manipulation of the system. Like he's just saying enough to to make them believe him. Yeah. yeah, like he's saying just enough bad stuff about himself to make him make them believe. And you know who knows? She's got the rope around his hands. He's wearing armor. Well, effectively, it should have been in a way that it wouldn't have been, you know. Yeah, it's magic. I, I would assume. Yeah, I'd assume not because he's got the like weird text around his word bubbles. But based the way he says it, though, like, what better way to feed my ego than saving the world? But once they're running out of dangers, then he's going to create the dangers from save the world from. Oh, right, himself. <laughs> it's possible. That way, he's the bad guy and the good guy. But he basically like uh, decides once they once they say that he's not going to be able to do it. He's not going to be able to stay. He winds up giving Cyborg, like, basically the keys to the watchtower. And, you know, Shazam's like, should I should I leave with him? And they're kind of like, yeah, you should go. And so they leave, and they're kind of like, well, should we even stay here? I mean, this is like Lex Luthor's tower. And they're like, well, do you want to go back to the Batcave? And I'm like, no. <laughs> does Shazam actually leave with him? He does. We don't see him teleport away, but he does leave with him. But uh, from there, they start talking about, you know, the next thing they need to do, which is to find out what the threat from the other world was. And they assume that um, Power Ring's ring might have a log, like Green Lantern's ring does. And so if they can find that, 
that might give him a clue as to what what's coming. What's coming. Yeah. Um, the next thing was we have this like, kind of little little character build thing where we find out these two sisters. One of them has always been like a survival freak, and she's locked herself in her apartment ever since um, Forever Evil. And like the rest of the family is like, oh god, we're really sorry that we treated you like this now, but you should come out and like we'll be a family again. And she keeps telling her to leave, leave. And when we finally get inside the room, we find out that the power rings found her. And it's basically like, I want you to help me annihilate the earth. Yeah, I've chosen you to annihilate yeah. the earth. Well, she, she must have been some type of like shut in type. Like, I'm scared of scared everything. everything type. Because they, they were all like, We're sorry we didn't believe you that things were going to be dangerous. We feel really bad about it. You should come hang out. Now that things are better, you should hang out. But yeah, it's her whole situation is pretty jacked. Paranoid. Yep. Yeah. But the uh, the final little end for this is uh, we see outside of Stately Wayne Manor somebody uh, ringing the doorbells, and then Alfred answering the door, and the um, person from beyond the screen is like, "Good evening, Mister Pennyworth. Can you tell Batman Lex Luthor is here to see him?" And like Luthor looks pissed. He looks like regular Lex Luthor. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so it sounds to me, or it looks to me, like even though Luther was all cool about leaving the Watchtower and like, oh, you can't be a part of the Justice League, oh, it's fine. It looks like he's going to try to like blackmail his way into the, <laughs> to the Justice League. Anyway, yeah. So. Well, it's, it's obvious he winds up being there somehow because all, the, all this time frame we're dealing with here is four days back. Yeah. So somehow he winds up on the team regardless. It's true. This is probably going to be the way how. Mm-hmm. And, and as we saw in, for, in earlier pictures, like Superman and Flash were both missing from the later Justice League. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, that's very true. Good stuff. My guess is either Secret Batman plan, or they just can't stand being with Lex Luthor and Captain Cold. I'm going to say Secret Batman plan. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with, too. Courage wants to score a book? Uh, like I said prior, I hate, hate Lex Luthor. Hate him. Never have liked him. Um... I'll give this one a three, though. But he seems like he wants to be a hero now. That doesn't matter. But his head is very shiny. So is Shaxx, but he's still the devil. Oh. <laughs> so I'll give that one a three. I'm pretty sure Shaxx is actually a genie. Kazam! Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Selling you icy hot to make you feel better about things? Lex Luthor's going to take his power now. Oh. I don't think it works that way for this one. It could. He can dunk now. <laughs> he's got the metal suit for that, I guess. Mm. He's got the Superman tattoo. Wait, yeah, Jack yeah. does. There he goes. Yeah, he, he, now he's got a reason to hate him. Oh, it's gonna be the hack of Shaq. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't even like badminton. <laughs> I'm not sure what badminton has to do with it, but isn't that the sport they play? Sure, basketball. Oh, there you go. I think basketball is something different. Still, that was a good movie, though. Heck yeah. That was fun. Stuff. Rob, score book? Uh, I give it a three and a half. I really enjoyed it. It was a really good follow-up to Forever Evil. So, if this is where the Justice League is going, that's going to be really good. Cool. Mr. J? I would also go with three and a half. It was... Uh, I wouldn't really say filler. Just kind of a good... Set up for the next uh, couple books that are coming out. Like a go between. Yeah. Yeah, you can see that. Uh, Mr. Mike. I hate things on my Mike. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bribe. <laughs> Ross. 
I'd actually give it a five. It was m- m- probably my favorite issue of Justice League so far. You son of a... <laughs> yeah. I liked, it, it reminded me a whole lot of the Justice League cartoon. Oh, like I the character interactions, and I can just picture all their voices in my head. And you told me a pretty interesting thing, which was that there was a, an earlier interview with uh, Jeff Johns where he wanted to have a dynamic between Shazam and Cyborg. Oh, yeah, in, in Justice League War. It was actually an interview with, I want to say is like the director, and that was why they were saying they put Shazam in it is because Jeff Johnson told them that he was building this dynamic between them and, and they would work good together. And in the Justice League War movie, it came off like really kind of artificial and, and not, I personally like it very much. Mm-hmm. But you can really see how it fits really, really well in this. Where It, it kind of reminds me of the relationship they eventually built with Beast Boy and Cyborg, like yeah. in the animated. Yeah, oh yeah. I've didn't even think oh, about that, but it's yeah. true. I kind of got a, a very like BB cyborg. Yeah, feel I could totally to see that now. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. That's really weird. Okay. So it'll be it'll be neat to see how that turns out because like they they seem to work well together. So what are the chances we're gonna get him to sing the, sing a burrito and a hamburger song? Mm, <laughs> I'd say low, but not impossible. All right. Okay, what like... about waffles? <laughs> Also oh, the waffle song, yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. Waffle, waffle, waffle. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> All right, uh, Rob, let's get some books to watch and go. Oh, gosh. Um, the restart for Teen Titans. Continuing with X-Factor. Um, Nightcrawler's fantastic. If you haven't given a shot, go for that. All right. Mr. J? Um, new Cyclops, that's out. Uh, new Nightcrawler... Also, what was it? It's pretty much anything X-Men. Mm. That's me. Ross? I'm going to keep watching the Justice League. I, I think it's going to keep being really good. You also have a really cool Swamp Thing, Aquaman fight team-up thing going on between those two books. That's true. Sh- should be good. Um, Future's End. Yeah, keeps keeps being awesome. So. And I forgot to mention it, but if you are or you have been picking up just the new X Force, X Force Five is crazy. I know it's already out, but if you're not sure about that series, Five is the seller. Right on, uh, Curtis. Uh, books to watch. Um, Dynamite's coming out with Justice Inc. and it's going to be uh, Doc Savage. The Avenger and The Shadow. And they all came out with the Street Smith books back in the day. The Nora are actual uh, books. So oh, okay. They say it's something like 75 years in the making that they've been trying to team these guys up. So look out for Justice Inc. Dynamite's also putting out a book called The Devilers from Joshua Hill Falcoff. And uh, it looks pretty cool. It's going to have a bunch of different uh, religious leaders like rabbis. Uh, I don't know other ones. Right. <laughs> I've seen the pictures in the new preview. And but, uh, it looks yeah. very uh, hell demon and, type. And on top of werewolves and cosmic stuff, that's kind of my bag. So um, demons are cool. Uh, what else? Wayward from Jim Zub. Oh, yeah, Wayward. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier today, actually. Oh, yeah. It's coming out. Um, it looks pretty cool. They Their, their sticking line is uh, Buffy for a new generation or something. Right. But. I think I don't like Buffy. I mean, I like the original movie, 
Heck yeah, man. Pike, awesome. Yeah, but I think uh, I think this book's going to be good because it's Jim Zub. And uh, he hasn't wrote a bad book yet, except I don't know about Figment. We'll see. Oh, right. We'll see how that goes. But mm. Samurai Jack, Skull Kickers, Pathfinder, all those books are so good. Right. Um, pick up Wayward. Yeah, it looks it looks cool. The little preview that's in the, the four panels. Oh yeah, it looks it looks cool. Yeah, so I, uh, God, Steve Cummings, I think is. is yeah, is I don't I don't know him from anything, but the art looks good. He's actually living, I believe, over in uh, Japan. And really? Yeah, he's from America, moved to Japan, and he had this kind of idea about uh, that photo with the girl with the two bats and the cats. Oh, okay. He actually just drew that and had this idea, and Jim Zub picked it up with him and. Huh. They talked, and so it's kind of this girl moving over to Japan as well, and she has to go about her life. So it's it's it looks pretty cool. Cool. Keep an eye out for that. Well, but Mike, do you got you got some books, Mike, from last week? Same ones from last week. All right. Um, I, I would say I don't, I don't know if I said this before or not because this is like a do-over. Um, <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. No, not yet. Which should be freaking awesome. If you, if you haven't seen that movie, and there's two of you I'm looking at in the room, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll fix it. Because it's fan-freaking-tastic. And this is going to be the sequel to the movie. It's like following the end of the movie. This is what's next. It's awesome. If you ever wondered where Raiden came from, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Raiden. Completely stole from that okay. movie. Oh yeah, good stuff. Um, so I'd say that. Um, then uh, uh, low. Uh, it's gonna be another one coming out from Image, and then uh, yeah, that's a pretty, some pretty good. Uh, I, I keep hearing a lot of people talking about Outcasts, the next Robert Kirkman thing. So I guess we'll see if that's. I, I'd say check out the first one maybe. I, I don't know enough about it yet, but I keep hearing a lot of people talk about it. So it's getting a bunch of buzz. I think that's it. That's it. I yeah. think that's it. So, Taki, Taki, action, Taki, Taki, action, Taki. I'm not gonna do it. Taki, Taki, scissors. <laughs> I like how we have the imitating Curtis imitating Mike. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Perfect. <laughs>